1: of fortunes in Canadian MLS where TFC hit rock bottom losing 7-1 versus DC United in the US capital and of course fired their coach Chris Armas. On the other hand Montreal shows quality by beating Inter Miami 1-0 at home in New Jersey. My name is Hadi Raphael and I'll be animating today's episode while my good friend Paul Vance sits this one out again. I am joined by my friend Eve Powell from switchthepitch.com and my other friend, Samuel Savvy from MontrealSoccer.com. Guys, is it safe to say we had a nice football weekend?
2: I certainly can't complain. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Just the, the Toronto news was good, but after when we when we did perform pretty good against Miami, it made it made it even better.
2: It kind of makes it like one of those perfect weekends.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I would have liked a three nil victory to make I, it really perfect.
2: I guess something like a little bit more conclusive and powerful yes if if we're good, if we're being picky but let's not ask for too much
1: yeah, yeah I, know I know eve i know if for her a one zero win is like a six zero it's win. a miracle yes, it's <laughs> it is a miracle you know when you when cf montreal wins it's like
4: ah what happened
1: you know she gets lost uh, <laughs> in the moment Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about that game okay a uh, uh, a good win a one zero win from from uh, montreal against miami it should have been a bigger win, right? Definitely.
2: Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, those three golden chances in a, early in the first half, I think around the 11th minute where Mihailovic took a shot, which the keeper saved. Then Kyoto had basically the empty net, and the defender threw himself on the line, and the ball bounced back to Mihailovic. Then it came out again. I was like, how? And that was just one of a, a number of chances that Montreal had to really kill the game off a lot earlier than they did.
3: Yeah, and, you know, it's a, it, it was a good performance all in all. I think you can, you can argue about the finishing and maybe what's happening in the last third of the, of the pitch. I think it's been a common theme recently for, for people to complain a, a bit about it. But, you know, you have to see it as an all. And I think the, the idea was to, to really solidify what's going at the back, and we defended very well again now once that's locked and it's good you know now we have to just clean up what's going up on front but if you if you look at it try to look at it positively we've not given much to opposition recently no nope. so it's 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 been good and now we, we i think we have the quality up front to to eventually get the goals we need so it's it's just a, a matter of time i think
4: well, something
2: that i noticed massively uh in last night's game was Miami really dropped off a lot of the players and uh, most notably Georgi Mihailovic because he's really been, I'd say, smothered by opposition defenses anytime he's gotten remotely near the ball um, in most games this season. But Inter-Miami really seemed to have very little interest in closing him down and the number of chances that we managed to create with him able to orchestrate like we sort of all thought he, he could do when we had seen glimpses of in previous matches uh, it was really night and day compared to the past several matches
1: yeah i agree with that and i think that that georgi mihailovic showed showed his quality uh in yesterday's game he really did have an amazing game and all it's, all of what it, everything that was missing was only the goal uh, that's the only thing that was missing from his performance you guys he had an assist, but the goal was the only thing that's missing, and he got a couple of chances. Do you think that it's the best game that Mihailovic played with the CF Montreal shirt?
3: The game against Toronto, the first one, was excellent, too.
1: Yes. But, um,
3: it's tough to evaluate him because he, he's such a marked man. I think sometimes he could have done better, but he was just overwhelmed by the opposition. So it's It's, it's a bit tough to evaluate, but if you take that part out of the equation, yeah, he, he, he was fantastic yesterday. And it just proves our point that we're, we're saying here on and off on the ballers run is that I think more of the play has to transit by him and trying to find a way to get him loose and get him the ball as, as quickly as we can and maybe leave the wings alone a bit and really use Mihailovich's IQ because he's, he's fantastic when he's on his game.
1: Yeah, now now I'm I'm looking at that game and I want to talk about the tactical adjustments made by by Wilfried Nancy, because I think it's very important to understand that it's not only a squad selection that he made. He did tactical adjustments by putting two wing backs that are primarily offensive-minded. And you know, defensively they're not really. To the point yet, uh, but you know, you see Lassi Lapalainen on the left, and you see Matšeshwanier on the right. We'll talk about him like personally after, and I think that's going to be a big, a big segment. So uh, I'm just talking about the tactical adjustments first. Uh, do you think? Uh, obviously, it was the right move, right, because we won and we played really well. Uh, but do you think that 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 choice that Wilfred Nancy has um, adds some sort of a complexity? Uh, to, to Montreal's game whenever they're going to face other teams saying, you know, if you see if you are another team's coach, you look at that team and you're like, oh, is he going to choose the offensive thing or is he going to choose two wingbacks that are a bit more defensive? Do you think it adds that bit of complexity, Sam?
3: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's, that's the beauty of, of his system, I think, is that when he, when he doesn't have to worry about matching the runs of opposition wingbacks, I think he really gets the advantage of of, of using offensive-minded players because what happens is if you're gonna play against a a wing-back system a bit like ours, I often find our wing-backs are a bit handicapped. But if you're going to play against a back four like Miami have, and even more so if you have Brexay as a left back, I think you you definitely have to have to go all in offensively. And that was a that was a brilliant move by by Wilfried Nancy and. You know, you're know playing at home, so you get, you get the opposition lineup before. You can adjust to their lineup because you're at home. And so I'm sure Nasi, when he, had, he got the, the 11 of Miami in front of him, he knew he had to go with offensive-minded players. And it was a very, very good move. And he, was, he, looked, he looked good as a coach when your choice, which was obviously contested before the game, gives you the winner.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about that later uh, don't worry, again, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but Eva, I don't know if you have anything to add regarding that tactical change uh, that that uh, that Nassi took and that worked.
2: Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, I back what Sam said. I'm just curious because we've seen Alassie as a left quote unquote wing back, even though it was more of a winger position this particular game. I think his two best performances at that position were against Miami both times, if I'm like not mistaken. So I'm just curious as to whether it might just be the opposition that also made it a little bit easier on a player like and, um who hasn't necessarily been super constant in that position. And no, it is I- a change for him.
1: Yeah, it's a good question that uh, that, you're, that you're asking, Eve, because, yes, we we did look good, but we look good against a team that's not going well, that's uh, really uh, suffering, I think. Uh, even if they, they did a bit better in the last few games, I think they did want to g- win a game, uh, I think. Uh, no, they've uh, lost, like, five in a row now. <laughs> really? No, they won a game uh, not uh, recently, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they did... Uh, right they're five in a row uh mm-hmm. they won the last game they won was in cincinnati on may 16th but they did well against uh, orlando they lost the game to right. yeah yeah they lost the game to one but they were pretty good for most of the game I you, you're completely right but you know inter miami is showing something better in the last few few uh, few weeks but yeah it's still a team that's not you know up to the level. And I completely agree with that. Now you look at that, uh, at the CF, CF, Montreal, should we be worried about the lack of goals from the team and especially from let's call him, let's, let's call him our star man up front, Ramel Kyoto. Are we worried Eve? Um, I think I would have been worried
2: if I hadn't seen him attempting shots uh In this particular game, he was definitely really pressed by uh, the central defenders until yellow cards started coming up for Miami. So it was a little bit harder, I think, initially for him to get into good scoring chances. And as well, the the refereeing didn't necessarily help him because he would often go down under some what I thought would be call worthy contact, but apparently not. Um, But early on in the game, I would say I was a little bit concerned because it felt like he was being too generous to pass the the ball off. And I was a little concerned that maybe he really had suffered one of those crises of confidence, but as the game went on, and I think maybe it was even after the goal, he seemed more willing to take shots on target because he did put several shots on target. He did force McCarthy into a few saves and he did hit the post. So he's getting into the right positions, he's doing the right things, and he is serving up decent passes to his teammate when he's not in a scoring opportunity. So I'm still not ready to sound the alarm bell.
3: Me neither, Me neither because uh, for the same reasons as even, you know, I think there is a, a question of a bit of a lack of confidence because, you know, that, 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 that cross pass that he had when they were two on 0 against the goalie was was a formality last year. Now he just he's just overthinking, I think. And overthinking comes with a bit of, of self-awareness, maybe, but he 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 definitely is in the right positions and making the right runs and doing the right things in general on the field. Now, you know, it always looks looks worse when you're a forward because you're put into such prime positions that you just miss a basic pass that a midfielder would have missed. And it, it looks, it looks terrible for, a, for a striker. It's a bit like a center half, you know, when you make mistakes, it shows very, very strongly. So maybe we're a bit harsh with Kyoto and he, he did set the bar up very, very high last year, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking about a crisis. I'm just, I just think he's going through the emotions that every striker goes through in his career.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's just that it's been quite a few games now yeah. the way he's he's struggling. Um, I, I don't think it's a deal-breaker because, as you guys said, he creates so much for the team and he makes everybody look better. You know, uh, he, he holds up the block very well. He, he, uh, he you know, he's back to the goal. He plays very well. He has a very good game with his back to the goal. Uh, you know, he he helps everybody and yes okay he he did have you know a bad pass yes he did have a bad miss yes he took a shot in an impossible angle at one point and i still don't understand why he did that it came off
2: for him i think like I want to say like his goal versus Nashville or TFC, or TFC one yeah. or the other.
1: No, it TFC. was from
2: a really similar angle and it came off so It
1: was it was a better angle like it's CFC but might have been. Yeah, this one was like impossible. Like it's it was completely impossible, f- you know, to 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 be successful in my opinion, but uh, I, I think, I think that it's just a matter of time. I'm still not, like, even if he doesn't score, let's say he doesn't go for, score for another 10, 10 games. If he's still on continues on playing the same way, I think I still want him to be on the pitch because he does so much for the team. I mean, if and,
2: nothing, he keeps
1: defenders really busy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And he tires defenders, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, if at the end of the game, let's say if you, you have Kyoto and then, you know he tired you know all the defenders that were on him were really tired you put someone like Torres that comes in that has a lot of stamina that's gonna try to dribble you and everything i think that that could be something that could be successful for Wilfred nancy but to put some some firecracker you know as a, some player that's gonna that's gonna come and just create stuff and be be fast and and has stamina and speed i think that that could help a lot too so maybe use that that uh, you know, that, that thing that brings Kyoto, uh, you know, to, to help us, you know, score and get more chances at the end of the games, that, that could be maybe a, a good tactic for, for Wilfried Nancy. But, you know, we, we talked about, you know, everything that we needed to talk about uh, on that game, but we forgot the most important part. guys. Where
2: I was very concerned that you were going to forget.
1: <laughs> what do I always say on this spot and on all platforms?
2: Mathieu play Schwenier. the
1: youth, play the youth. And specifically play Mathieu <laughs> No, I said the same thing for, for James Van I, yeah, said no, I, for I said the same thing for Clément Baya. I said the same thing for all the young. And every time we had choices where we could, you know, bring back, you know, some lonies from Campiel, I always chose those because for me, playing the young guys, that's exactly what you need to do in order to grow as a club. That's what you need to do to grow because you need those those homegrowns to gain value. And when they gain value, your whole team benefits. And And your power of attraction is better also for other players too. And they
2: don't cost
1: on the salary budget. And they don't cost on salary. Olivier Renard will like that. So I said my piece regarding that. What about Mathieu Chouinier, guys? What a great game he had. And you know what? independently of his goal okay his goal was amazing of course and that's that really I think that was I think the um the uh what do we say the uh, the, the thing on the on the Sunday the the cherry on the, the cherry Sunday. on the team. yeah the sherry on the cake, or whatever you want to call it. Whatever sh- delicious
2: dessert you like. <laughs> exactly.
1: The sherry on whatever dessert you like. Exactly. Uh, but looking at the way he played during that game, he created so many chances. A couple of them, one to Wanyama, one to Kyoto, uh, that could have and should have been goals. Yes. Do you, think, do you think that Monsieur Chouinier has proven himself MLS as an MLS-caliber player, Eve?
2: I mean, he's had, we haven't seen a whole lot of him in 2021. And of course he'd really complicated 2020 with a really bad injury situation. I don't want to, you know, use one fantastic game to be like, okay, he's great. I would like yeah. a bigger sample size. He definitely had some really promising outings. I liked him when he played at the same position versus Atlanta. And what I thought was he stood up to Brechay really well because I mean Breck yeah, Shea, but Brechay
1: is not a player. <laughs> he's a hairstylist. He's,
2: he's a large, but no, I mean he's much larger bodied, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm and joking. I'm joking. Yeah.
2: Physic, physically speaking, it you're would right, not be right. a battle where I would favor Matsushonier, but he definitely stood up to him, no problem. And I think that's one of the biggest improvements I've seen is. My biggest concern about Matthew Chouinier in um, previous seasons was the physical nature of the game, because on the pitch, he looked like a child. You know, he didn't have uh, like Josie Altidore would have steamrolled him, quite frankly. And so that's one of the biggest improvements I think that I've seen in 2021 is he stepped it up with the the physicality. I mean, I don't want to like make a prognostication without a larger sample size than two promising matches in 2021. But I can say I've definitely liked what I've seen from both.
3: Yeah, man, you know, um, same here because it's a question to see now if he's able to do it consistently. But if you just ask me, given what you've seen yesterday, of course I'd say yes, because he was probably one of our better players yesterday. And I think that the other thing is, if you look at how he played yesterday and in his, his other outings,
5: More than once, actually.
0: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Very intelligent, because sometimes he, he, he is a bit lightweight. You know, he's, he's not a very um, heavy player. And that's okay. And it's okay. Now you have to choose your, your, your battles. And I think, you know, choosing to tackle on the ground, like he did a couple of times instead of going shoulder to shoulder is, is just showing that it's, he he knows his strengths and his weaknesses. And maybe some people tend to to categorize him like a non-physical player because I, I mean, his brother used to lose a lot of physical battles and that's probably what, what hurt him in the MLS, but Mathieu didn't show that really since he's been uh, with the impact, uh, sorry, the CF Montreal. And um, I think it's, it's just a question of when you know that you're, you're a smaller, lighter player, you have to know when to go in, when to go, back, go out. Because losing a shoulder-to-shoulder battle and falling, you're automatically out of position. So Mathieu, what he did against Brecchet, often he would just back off slightly and invite Brecchet, who doesn't know how to dribble, to try to dribble him. So he would win the ball back. And that's, that's very, very intelligent. So I think Mathieu Schwarzenegger is, is, a, is a high IQ player. And he, it's obviously not his position or right wing back. But if he's showing that he's able to play there, imagine when you're going to put him as, at, in his position. I think he's going to be good.
2: I think that's his position, quite frankly. <laughs>
3: well, we made it his position, I think, you know.
2: Oh, I'd rather have him in Sampiot. That
1: that's position. that's that's the next topic. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. let, let's talk about him playing that position as as a right wing back instead of playing his real position, which is a box to box midfielder, where, that he could. Uh, also, of course, he could give a hand if 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 mm-hmm. we play in a four man defense because we don't have a box to box player in that system of three five two. So, uh, you know, he could help. Uh, you know, give a hand in case we decide to go with a back four again with a four three three or a four two three one or whatever whatever situation whatever uh, tactical formation we decide. But you you look at his performances three games already this this year two as a starter. Uh, he, he was very good as a starter against Atlanta, um, and he's been very good uh, against Inter-Miami, and it's two different kind of uh, uh, opponents, so you can't really say oh, he's been good because Inter-Miami was, was, was weak, because Atlanta wasn't weak at all, and he still showed some some good promises i think uh, in atlanta also and he also got, had about 30 uh, 30 minutes in the vancouver game where the whole team the whole montreal team didn't didn't play well but but still i think i think can we say that matisshuaniere is best adapted to that to that position i'm going to explain why i'm saying that because he has a lot of space in front of him and the fact that he has a lot of space and he has a lot of of technical abilities helps him uh, to develop his game and helps him to avoid uh, the big physical contacts that you have in the middle of the pitch. So do we feel that it's a good position for that player, Sam? Um,
3: It depends on the matchup, I think, because if he has to go against, um, Another wing back who's gonna play very high against him and maybe have more of the ball and ask him to defend a lot deep in his zone. That's where maybe I'd be a bit worried because yeah. that's that's you know the, the, these modern day wing backs they're often playing out of their natural position. They adopt that new role because they do have offensive uh, weapons and and they like to go up and down and so. I'd be just worried if you if you pin him deep in our zone and ask him to defend like in very specific situations and use more of a defender's skill. So I, I, I'd say uh, I, I'd definitely say that it depends on the matchup. You know, you just have to be wise when you're coaching. When he can be a very good tool to have in your box, but you can't you can't just expose him. You have to protect him because if he's gonna play against like very, very good wingbacks who attack more than they defend. He's going to struggle a bit, I think.
1: Yeah, but if you have a wingback that attacks, you, you also have a, a winger or, or a midfielder that's going to help you. You're not alone against two players with against the wingback and the other winger. Sure. You're going to have someone that helps you. But yeah, I completely agree. I think he has some sort of, uh, uh, you know... He, yeah, I think he he should get he has to get better defensively and that's for sure and he hasn't been really tested in Miami no, but he was tested against Atlanta he was really tested if I don't know if you, if you think that this is a better position for Matsuignier as we know him today
2: Again, yeah, it's still a small sample size two matches so I'm not going to like, you know,
1: lay it down from and what say oh
2: you yes so I've liked what I've seen better from him at this position than I did previously when he played at midfield uh, as a central midfielder in that kind of more box to box role. Like I said, though, I think a huge part of the improvement from my perspective is his ability to cope with that physicality of, of MLS, which is one of its trademarks. So that's one of it, one of the big components for me and kind of like Sam mentioned, there's a little bit less of that physicality in the wingback role, depending on, the opposition versus in the central midfielder position so yeah it may well be better suited to him and his capabilities yeah. cuz he can dribble
1: yeah he can he can dribble He's and apparently he didn't good cross. oh yeah he did some nice i think he had a good all around game i think I agree. He, he 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 was i think a lot better than than anybody expected even me i think he was as good as that uh, but let's move on to the last subject before we move on with the, with the guest that, that, that we have previewing the next game. Um, Victor Wanyama, uh said in his presser, and I asked him the question, and I'm like, Victor, because he's like, we need to score more goals on everything. And I'm like, yes, you did have a couple of chances. What do you need to do in order to improve and, and, and you know score those goals? And he's like, I took three shots, and I think at least one of them should have been in the back of the net. And he's like, I'm going to improve. And believe me, I'm going to score soon. I like that warrior type answer. From a defensive midfielder.
2: I was going to say, I'm like, we're relying on the demons now to score the goal. We're not relying. No, I'm sorry.
1: I'm not, I'm not going to let you say say that. No, I'm sorry. Because that's very positive. That's very positive. Yeah. That means that our, our, our defensive midfielder wants to score. We're not saying that that's where we need to get a goal from. I'm just saying that the defensive midfielder wants to score. And I think that's a good attitude to have. That's the first part of the question I'm going to ask you to you, Eve. That's one part. And the second part, Victor Wanyama collected another yellow card. Knowing that Samuel Piet is going to be away for the gold cup. Is that becoming a problem?
2: So regarding the goal, yes, I'm very thrilled to hear that he wants to score and he wants to improve his shooting. Um, Obviously, I don't expect him necessarily to find himself in prime shooting positions on a regular opportunity. So like, I'm not gonna throw the towel in if he doesn't score the next match. Of course. Um, But very very inspiring to hear that he wants to um, find his way back onto the score sheet. And I just hope it's as good a goal as his uh, first goal of the season. And regarding his yellow cards, to begin with, I thought the officiating last night was pretty shambolic. So regarding last night's yellow card, I'm kind of just like, oh, well. Um, But in general, yeah, he's definitely, I think, kind of, unfortunately, just by the build of his physique, a little bit set up to fail because he's so much bigger than the other players like it's very easy for them to go down under a challenge from him and it, it looks worse than it, it really is however he has to learn about how MLS works how including the officiating in MLS works and he does have to adapt his game to that because it's going to be really costly um, now in MLS given that he served his first suspension he's only got five yellow cards <laughs> till his next so really, really, really need to um, really needs to I think uh, adapt that more physical side of his play, and I think as well it's important because otherwise opposition are just going to say okay let's get Wanyama their deep their a card real early so that he can't play his proper game. We don't want that to become a tactic for the opposition.
3: Yeah. Um... You know, I think a, a lot of criticism towards Wanyama was that sometimes he looked a bit disinterested. And now that he, he's trying to score and he's getting stuck in as much and picking up yellow cards, it just shows that maybe this this he really bought into what we're doing here in Montreal. And that's I see it positively because I think last year he 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 didn't look that interested in joining the attack and you know, because when you join the attack as a defensive midfielder and you get caught out of position, you have to like sprint forty yards to get back. And sometimes players will say, "You know what? I'll I'll just play it safe, and if we lose the ball, I'll be well placed." And and he he now he's he's committed, and I think he. I don't want to say that he he maybe wasn't interested last year. It, it was maybe just a perception we had because he was coming from England, and we knew well. What, and COVID what,
2: season was just ridiculous. Exactly,
3: and we knew what type of football is played in, in England. And we might have had our hopes a bit high for, for Wanyama. But this season, we see, I think we're seeing the best out of him. And the fact that he is frustrated that he's missing his shots and that he's, he's picking up as many yellow cards just shows it the level of commitment he has. And that's, that's brilliant for me.
1: So let's move on to our next part of the show. And it's time for us to preview the next game of CF Montreal. We're going to meet and we're going to play against New York City FC, a team that's been doing well this year. And today to talk about that team, we have Mike Anderer from Blue City Radio podcast. Hey, Mike, how are you today? Hey, guys. Thanks so much much for having me uh, be part of the show. I'm excited about it. Ah, we're really excited to have you on. We really like your show. And it's, it's, uh, you know, all the, the CF Montreal listeners here, they should go and listen to your show because it's really a show of quality.
6: No, oh, that's a
1: very kind words. Perfect. So let's, let's dive in right away okay. and, and talk about all uh, about New York City FC. Eve, I'll let you on with the first question.
2: Thank you. So uh, Ronnie Dyla, he's now in his second year in charge of the team and NYCFC have made a really solid start to the season after I think a solid finish in last season as well. And as of right now, they have a five, three, and two record. Uh, what do you make of the job that he's doing so far at the club?
6: I think he's been doing a, very, a solid job. Uh, he, obviously last year, uh, he came in very late. He wasn't hired until January. Uh, so the team was about a week before preseason when they made the signing. And then we, uh, had to go out and play a couple of games in, um, CCL. Uh, we played, uh, against the Costa Rican team and then we played against Tigris, uh, ended up losing, well, we played the first game, the home leg against Tigris. And that was actually the day before COVID shut everything down. So, uh, fans were in Red Bull arena. You, you know, Montreal people are familiar with Red Bull arena now from, uh, where they've been playing and, uh, we were there and then we all got home and basically that's when nba shut down that's when any, everything shut down so i think a lot of fans gave dyla a little bit of a pass because of the work that he had done uh look they uh, they did well uh in ccl uh advancing in the first round and then losing or losing that one game to cruz asul i'm um, sorry to Tig- tigris but then they uh because of that, they weren't focused so much on uh, MLS. That's pretty n- common for uh, MLS teams when they're playing in Champions League. So he, uh, they struggled in the beginning, but uh, he turned it around. And by the end of that season, he had demonstrated to the club um, what he was trying to do. He also had been started to do the work on choosing the guys that he wanted to be part of his roster. And one of those players uh, I know we want to talk about later was Alex Ring, who was the captain of the team he's the defensive midfielder, the number six position for most of the, his tenure and Dyla had him playing left wing, had him playing uh, as the eight. Um, I think he even tried him as the 10 one, one game because he, Dyla had found a six, uh, you know, double pivot combination that, that worked and he didn't need uh, Alex ring anymore in that position. So that demonstrated an understanding of the team an understanding of how to win in, in the league. And you can see it uh, with the results now. And, Everything that he've done, he's done um, has been with a weekend squad, and uh, just uh, just recently, recently NYCFC signed uh, Talis Magno and Thiago, and uh, two Brazilian players that have come in and uh, really shown uh, a lot of quality. And Thiago scored the uh, game winner versus DC United in uh, in dramatic fashion. So uh, NYCFC fans are feeling pretty confident right now, and uh, Dyla deserves a lot of credit.
2: Well, that's that's really glad, um, you know, CF Montreal made a late coaching change this year as well, but of course, slightly different context because Nancy's familiar with the team, very familiar. So I understand for sure how it can be kind of hectic <laughs> when you have those those very late signings. But you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, especially Taliz Magno because he had such a, a fantastic goal to win uh, over DC in the most recent game as NYCFC had a, a buy this weekend, and you kind of as well talked about how it's a little bit of a weakened squad, but kind of looking from the outside, it almost seems like the the mentality has changed because initially uh, NYCFC was recruiting stars like David Villa. Andrea Pirlo, Frank Lampard, and so on, when they first entered the league, but now seems to have changed with younger South American signings as well, like Hebert or Thiago Andre or Talos Magno. And are you behind that change? Are the fans in general behind that change?
6: I think the simplest question or the simplest response is results are, are the big, most important thing. And... The team has consistently done well, uh, whether they've had players like Villa, uh, Lampard Pirla. Actually, their worst year was when they had all three of those uh, those yeah. that was in 2015. But the uh, that, that's the first key. Um, look, uh, I'll give you a name. Uh, Anton Tinnerholm. Uh, he's a player that nobody Amazing knew player. when he, when he joined the league. No one knew. But then he was in, in the rankings for, uh, you know, he was the top right back in the league. And uh, you know, in the in the finalist uh, finalists for the you know defender of the year, so I think that's the key. They they're definitely changing their uh, their structure as far as uh, how they're getting these this talent. They're not going for the big name signings, uh, even though player you know we've had it basically any you know big name player Yaya Torres, a you know guy um, Agüero. They 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 get uh, because they're part of the CFG family. Once they start to think about their their departure from Man City, everyone goes oh well they're going to come over to. To nycfc yeah. i mean you've heard obviously the rumors about messi that uh, if messi signed with man city he'd play three years with man city and then two years with nycfc um that stuff is all fun and and, and exciting because you know who wouldn't want to have those those marquee stars on their on their roster but we learned with andrea Pirlo in his in his final year with the club he couldn't he couldn't deliver the the quality of play that uh, that the team needed this is a, a demanding league, and we're even seeing it with Talis Magno. Uh, as you know, again, he's an 18-year-old, He just turned 19, a young player. He's coming into the league, and he he was able to uh, be very successful in his previous uh, competitions and tournaments. But when he, when you come into MLS, it's a very physical, fast-paced league, and that's what we're hearing from a lot of these players coming in from different countries. the The pace and speed of play is, is a lot faster than they're used to.
2: Yeah. And, you know, especially it's kind of a sad thing. You see a lot of players in MLS, like your Pirlos and whatnot, who kind of do that one year too many. And then it really just kind of sours their time with the team, even though they're such iconic players with a great history. So I definitely, I know know what you mean. And of course, I think as well for young guys like uh, Talos Magno or any number of players signed by CF Montreal this year, because we went very young. Um, there's that added degree of motivation, right? Because they're young and this for them is really a good stepping stone to possibly bigger and uh, brighter, p- perhaps across the pond dreams. With the Lucky Land
5: Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: But um, speaking of that, you know, NYCFC has produced a, its own share of homegrown, certainly. And we saw uh, Joe Scali left for Gladbach in Germany. However, there's also James Sands and some other players a little bit more on the fringe, like Andres Yassin, Justin Hack, Tavon Gray. Are fans emotionally attached to the homegrowns, uh, especially the most, the very talented ones? And do you think we're going to see other players taking off um, for across, across the ocean to Europe, like Joe Scully? So um, do you, do you have a prediction on who might be the next James, the next James Sands maybe, or the next Joe Scully?
6: In our current Academy? No. Um, okay. uh, but I, but I know um, this year they, they, in addition to the homegrown that they have signed on the, on the roster, they did bring uh five, uh, Academy players down to preseason. So let's see. I mean, there's a chance that some of those can be, uh, can be added. And one of those, um, players, Luke bot, Botlevich, I'm butchering his name. My apologies. He, uh, you know, he was a guy who, um, who was, who was brought in and, and was given a first team, uh, contract and people weren't expecting that. Um, you know, you mentioned Joe Scally. James Sands is, uh, he was the first ever homegrown for NYCFC he definitely has aspirations to play with the uh w- in Europe. Uh he's currently gonna, you're you're going to be fortunate uh he's going to be missing the game on uh on Wednesday because he got called up to the US men's national team along with Sean Johnson. That's so bad news be- for Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are missing some play- you're going to be missing some players too, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Kyoto and uh we're
2: going to be missing Kyoto, um Sam Piet, who's our number 6 yeah. and captain and um
1: Miller. And as well, Kamal, Kamal, Kamal Miller. Miller. Yes. yeah, yeah. But center defense. They'll be here on Wednesday though. They'll be here on Wednesday. Uh, Kyoto is here until the 10th of July. So, so he'll oh, okay. be here
6: on Wednesday. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so we, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> Sands and Johnson have to have to depart on the 6th, from what we're told. Oh
2: goodness.
6: So there uh, but James Sands is, is is the first homegrown. He is definitely has aspirations and quality to play in uh in Europe. He actually trained uh two preseasons ago. Uh he p- trained in Germany um he was basically uh injured a lot uh, so he signed in 2016 um was injured uh his, two of his seasons and i uh, didn't get a lot of playing time because of these injuries um one was a a broken shoulder and i think the other one was a broken arm and they just none of them were luckily were with the legs but they but they took time to recover mm-hmm. um that kept him off the field so in that uh, this is actually the first year that he's played um, so far the full season. Granted, we're only uh, what are we eight eight games in. Nine? No, actually, we've played, uh, we played ten games.
2: Yeah.
6: So, um, but he's he's definitely a player that uh, fans love. Um, the other player, new homegrown that plays right back, he's a uh, second in our depth chart behind Anton Tinnerholm is Tavon Gray. He is a Bronx native. Um, he got his first start uh, two games ago um, against Atlanta United. Um, actually, in that game versus Atlanta, NYCFC, for the first time, started three homegrowns. So James Sands, Andres Jason, and uh, Tavon Gray started. Uh, Andres Jason is an interesting player. Uh, he's He was a uh, college student, was going to Yale University. And because of COVID, the uh, Ivy League canceled their soccer season. So he was no longer concerned about his eligibility for NCAA. So he signed a first-team contract. Wow. Um, he started. He was very dynamic in the uh, in the preseason. I think he currently holds the lead re- league record as a uh, number of yellow cards uh, um, that's been awarded for, on tackles on him. In versus <laughs> versus Atlanta United, he had three different players get uh, yellow carded for tackles on him. Wow! Oh gosh! He's, wow. he's just a tricky player that uh, figures out ways to get for for people to uh to, you know to, to foul him. So he's uh, he's always uh, drawing uh, drawing fouls, and in a preseason game versus Orlando, he uh, drew two penalty kicks. Oh,
2: goodness me! Well, uh, yeah, we have a few players on our roster who who like to pick up uh, yellow cards on a regular basis. So maybe maybe Jason can sit some Wednesday's game out. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, he's you know he's not a consistent starter. No. Okay. Uh, because because of the addition of Talis Magno and, and mm-hmm. Tiago. We also have Jesus Medina and uh, Ismail Tajiri-Shradi. So there's a lot of competition in these positions. But again, we, we all see it, and you guys are going through it right now with the, uh, with the, the quick turnarounds in, in games. You need a deep squad. Uh, and I saw that with, uh, with your games versus uh, Nashville and then into Miami. You guys uh, rotated your wingbacks. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that NYCFC does, does as well, trying to rotate some of these players. Um, so it, it'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, definitely. It'll be curious to see who who we all put out on Wednesday. Um, speaking of uh, Jesus Medina, though, he signed as a DP back in 2018. And his performances were rather inconsistent, really. Um, but this year, in particular, it seems like the Paraguayans finally finding his groove in New York. So what seems to have changed for him?
6: The simplest thing is confidence. Um, that's, that's obviously a big factor. But... He came in under Patrick Vieira. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Vieira left uh, halfway through uh, Medina's first season, so it was a, a little bit of a, a change. You know, again, you get lured by a, uh, a coach to come in, you come in, and then it, you're ha- there for half a season. You're getting used to the to the to the league, and then the coach leaves. Um, when Ronnie Diala came in, one of the things that Diala said almost immediately is that Jesus Medina is not a winger, but both Vieira and Domi Torrent, the, uh, the coach that followed Patrick Vieira played him predominantly as a winger. And it wasn't necessarily that, um, that they were, uh, they had uh, misunderstood his ability, but it was the formation that they had. And it was uh, trying to get Medina to play in that formation. Uh, Vieira and uh, Torrent both, both mostly played four, three, threes. Uh, Dyla it, you know, likes to play a three, four, three or a four, two, three, one. And, uh, in a 4-2-3-1, uh, Medina plays uh, as a midfielder, so he's he's um, he's a little more uh, central in the pitch. He's not as wide, so that's giving him more more ability to uh, just attack down the middle, as opposed to having to try to take players one on one. Medina, you know, he's he's got the talent. He can he can hit the he can hit the shot when he wants, but a lot of times he looks to um to make the pass and i think that's uh, that's be- better suited for him if he's got if he's got a striker up in front of him as opposed to being a winger and maybe being a uh, you know being the guy who's 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 trying to take the shot from the outside um, that's more of an ismail tijeri shradi a tiago andra andraje's uh, uh, position so uh, that's been the biggest big, the biggest key is that positional change and letting medina play a, b- a bunch of different roles but um, i think the other part of it is uh, i think having that pressure of a DP tag come off of him has, has helped him a lot too. This is a, you know, he was a young DP the first couple of seasons and then uh, NYCFC was able to buy down his contract into a TAM level uh, contract. And that was, I guess, because they signed Tallis Magno, the, the DP tag shifted to uh, Talis as So Medina is no longer a DP.
3: So Michael, let's talk about the departures uh, after last season because there were some very surprising ones. Like like you said, Alex Ring who was the captain of the team who was traded to Austin or Ronald Matarita traded to Cincy. Uh, Did you think it was time for them to go or what was the view in New York uh, concerning their departures?
6: Uh, I'll talk about Matarita first. Um, Yeah, Matarita for him, it was time to go. Uh, Matarita is a very talented player. Uh, you know gr- great left back he's not a great defender so his his quality is really about being able to go forward and and and, and um, be an attacking uh, left back or a wing back. Um, Madarita's, uh history with the club was he was a great player but in key moments uh, he played his worst games. Uh, most significant significantly was the game versus Toronto the playoff game versus Toronto um, in stoppage time he uh, fouled, um, Richie Larea and, uh, co- co- you know, conceded a penalty kick and uh, Toronto FC uh, ended up uh, winning that game with the penalty kick. Um, the entire team couldn't believe that he committed that foul. Actually, and I'm sorry, it wasn't stoppage time, but it was late in the game. It was probably the 90th minute. Um, he was in the he, there was actually a sub waiting on the sideline to take M- Moderita out of, of oh. that game. And the ball never went out of play. Um, and <laughs> so that was one of those things that was crushing for NYCFC fans. But uh, so for, for moderita, yeah, it was time to go. Um, and I think that we had mentioned Alex Ring earlier in the interview, uh, Ronnie Dyla, even though Alex Ring was, was the captain and had the, had a lot of heart. Um, Ronnie Dyla didn't have a place on the field for Alex Ring. He uh, James Sands had had shown that he has the quality to, uh, to play that role. Um, so there was really no, no need uh, for, for, for him to be there. And I think uh, Dyla had said at the end of the interview, um, the playoffs last year when NYCFC was eliminated that uh, the team, uh, you know, the team, the players, some of the players on the team didn't have uh, the desire to win at all costs, that they were holding things, something back. And I think that was a specific uh, call out to Alex Ring and saying, you know, you got to, you got to want this. and want this, uh, want this bad. Uh, Now some of that might be on dialogue because he leaned on uh, the same core players the entire season. Uh, again, it was a COVID season. So it was a little bit, um, a little bit crazy, but he, you know, he played, he had players playing a lot of minutes, Alex ring, Ronald Madarita, uh, Anton Tinnerholm to name a few. And in that final game versus Orlando, uh, all three of those players, none of them were on the field at the end of the game, two left because of injury. And one of them, uh, well, all three left because of injury, but, uh, Anton Tinnerholm was a concussion related injury, but the other two, uh, um, Alex ring and, uh, Ronald Madarita where um, uh, it was about, uh, just, just not having the legs anymore. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, I think fans all to a T all are very happy for what they did with the, with the club. And, you know, I don't think there's any, um, any, you know, any bad blood. I know when, um, when Madarita came back with Cincinnati, he was the captain for that game. And that was the home opener this year versus, uh, NYCFC. And, uh, you know, it was a mixed, uh, mixed, uh, response from the fans. Some yeah. of the fans, uh, you know, we boo- booed him and we're you're kind of taunting him about, you know, making slide tackles, but uh, he, he got a, he got a real um, warm uh, round of applause. He came over and uh, praised the uh, supportive section after the game was over. So
3: yeah, cool. Cool. And, um, you know, concerning the transfers, we're talking about this. Is there any buzz on players who are maybe coming in or going out uh, in this summer's transfer window? And if any, is there any positions that you guys think you should improve?
6: I think the position we would want to improve would want to be along the defensive line, uh, notably center back. And again, we have quality center backs. Uh, Maxime Cheneau has been a, been a a feature there for a long time. Uh, Alexander Callens is with uh, Peru right now with the, uh, with the national team and they actually just advanced to the semifinals for the Copa America. So again, you're not going to have to worry about uh, Alex Callens. Um, There's another player that you don't have to worry about. So again, you're going up against our backup keeper in uh, Luis Barraza. And you're going to go up against the back line of uh, Chino and uh, Sebastian Ibiaga, uh because Sands will be with the U.S. and Callens will be with Peru. Um, so I, I think that would be one of those play, th- those positions that we would look at. I haven't heard any, of any specific signings. Um, I mentioned Talis Magno, who just uh, joined a few weeks, uh, well, a month ago. Uh, Tiago Andrea we've talked about. And then we just did sign a, a replacement for Maxi Morales in a number 10 position with uh, Santiago Rod- Rodriguez. Um, he's a young Uruguayan player who has um, been phenomenal. And again, he's a, he's a player that we think could, um, could be a star for the league for, for years to come. So uh, I, think, I, I think the short answer is NYCFC has really uh, done a lot to already strengthen its, uh, its roster and, and put themselves in the best position. As opposed to having to sign anyone in the in the in the in the summer windows, I think the biggest concern we would have as a club would be, um, who comes calling for James Sands? Do mm. they come too early? Uh, because that's a position where um, Sands plays the six. Um, with the absence of Callens, he's playing centre back, um, so he's very versatile, and uh, that would be a big a big loss for the club. But everyone knows that he's going to go to uh, Europe eventually, and it's just a matter of. Does NYCFC let him go now, or do they do they keep him through the end of the season?
3: Okay, so this one that's the that's the elephant in the room. But I'm sure you're probably fed up of getting that question. But you have to ask. You know, there, there's something about Yankee Stadium for for soccer, right? And are your fans annoyed by that too, or is this just us who have like soccer-specific stadiums that that think it's it doesn't make any sense? And is there a plan to change it, if ever?
6: Well, there, there's definitely a plan to change it. Um, yeah. Most In 2045? News... <laughs> <laughs> we were actually... Um, so. Oh,
2: don't tell me the Bronx. The, yeah. the famous Bronx stadium that never met
6: you. Oh, gosh. Well, so here's the, here's the most recent update for, for your listeners. So there was actually supposed to be a vote uh, two weeks ago. On the um, on one of the stadium plans, and it, it's a lot of uh, in, in you know in the weeds conversation about things that have to happen with the city. But there was supposed to be a vote with the community board, um, the Yankees, and the partner that uh, that is working with uh, with NYCFC uh, Mad Equities. They went in. They had the they had gotten the uh, the the vote to be put on the calendar, and two days before the vote both the Yankees and Mad Equities made changes to the proposal that was on the desk of the uh, of the community board and the community board basically said well now we can't vote because we have to go back and look at the changes that you made. Um, The community board was extremely upset Um, so now this vote that was supposed to take place in June won't take place until September but there's a, there's a strong belief that uh, this vote would be one of the last pieces of the puzzle that would allow us to basically put shovels in the ground. So uh, yes, it's the, it's the story that, you know, never seems to be coming true, but it is, that is a belief that, that there is a stadium uh, that will be built in the Bronx. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but uh, the the best way to explain it is um, I don't know what the major highway is or uh, yeah, the highway in, um, in Montreal the 40 um, we
3: say we call it the 40. So.
6: okay so think about if if there was an exit ramp off the 40 that was uh, not really used a lot okay. and to put the stadium in they had to close that ramp altogether oh shit. That's, what they're, that's what they' that's what they want to do with uh, to build this soccer stadium they basically have to now again the, the ramp doesn't get used a lot but you'd have to take the ramp out completely to put the stadium in so that's a, that's the biggest question mark um, and then obviously it's New York city. Everybody wants, um, you know, it's not, it's not about just building a stadium. It's gotta be a stadium. It's gotta be community, um, uh, you know, space that can be used and, and affordable housing. So those, those are big, a lot of big pieces. Yeah. The fans can't stand playing in Yankee Stadium. can't stand the team playing in Yankee stadium. They love the, that they, that, it, I mean, again, it's their home stadium. It's, it, you know, look at Olympic stadium, uh, you know, when you guys have played there, it might not be ideal, but it is still a place where you can go and 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 cheer the fans on, uh, cheer the team on. Yeah. The fans are not happy at all with the current situation where we're playing in Red Bull Arena. Um, again, we're looking at attendances in Red Bull Arena about uh, you know 4,500 uh, 4, you know five thousand. Now, granted, for those games, uh, the stadium is already at limited capacity. NYCFC, I guess, negotiated to only have it open to max capacity of six thousand. But they're only getting, you know, four thousand. It's 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 not ideal. It's all the banter, all the uh, all the um, com, you know making fun of Red Bulls for where they play. Uh, it all goes <laughs> does really down work. Down. <laughs> now we're playing eight games, there, and we actually just found out that there's another game that uh, we we were supposed to play. I think versus Cincinnati, in. Um, in August that is going to get moved from Yankee Stadium because the Yankees had a rainout last week.
2: Oh yeah. Well, yeah, where that's why we're hosting you in uh in Orlando is because Miami is being used for Gold Cup. So I mean, yeah, um, it's it's a hot mess.
6: Yeah. Um, oh, so okay, that was my questions. You guys are hosting us in uh in Orlando. Yeah. 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 Okay, we didn't know because you just played, uh, you just played in Red Bull Arena. Yeah. You, you, might, you might just stay in Red Bull Arena. Yeah. It's like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> but look, the, the, the positive about Yankee Stadium, and it's not really a positive
0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: But the the good thing about it is the, the dimensions of the stadium make it so unique. Um, and even the the players talk about it because of this, the stadium is basically round. And again, it's let, let's use the example of Olympic stadium. When you're on the field, you can't, you can't, uh, your eyes can't judge the, the, the depth of the field as much. Mm-hmm. So you, a lot of times what pe- what teams do is they'll go to put a, a ball, they'll swing a ball from left to right. And it'll carry out of bounds because they just yeah. can't see the, uh, the dimensions. Well, because the stadium, the, the, the seats and the fans don't, don't, you know, don't run parallel to the, to the, to the touch lines. Um, so that's given NYCFC a huge advantage in hosting teams, but it's still, it's not ideal. The, the sod situation where we have to, where you, the players have to run over the sod in the infield is always, uh, dangerous. We've talked to players, um, who have left the club, who said that they couldn't believe that that was ever approved by, by the, by FIFA. But, you know, that's, that's the situation we find ourselves in again, this year we're playing exactly half our home game or, you know, we're playing. Eight of, out of the uh, seventeen home games in Red Bull Arena, um, not ideal from a from a soccer perspective. It's Red Bull Arena is a great pitch. Yeah. It's a great field, so uh, you know f- we get to see a good quality of game. From a fan perspective, it, it's it's horrible.
1: Of course, it's like us playing in BMO Field, you know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but but that's 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 where I wanted to go when, when you were talking about how unique the the venue was at Yankee Stadium is. It does Ronnie really Dyla like? Will he use it, a certain system that's adapted to Yankee Stadium because of how narrow the pitch is, and will he change it when he goes away, like in Montreal, where we have one of the biggest pitches in the, in the whole league? Is, is it something that happens, or uh,
6: no, not necessarily? I think I think the three four three has become a very common formation for. Um, for nycfc and it looked they're not the only one to, to, to play that formation but um it would, and what did uh, when Vieira played it they called it the wm um oh, okay. but uh it's it's you know, because you have the uh the narrow the narrow field you don't really need to have the four the four across the back um so that would be the one thing that i would say i would say but I haven't seen Dyla do it enough. Again, part of the issue is because how many he played two games in Yankee Stadium. Yeah,
3: that's it. A-
6: um, and again, we're not playing again until we we host Orlando in, in the end of July. So we haven't really had a lot of opportunity to see him tinker with it. And even last year, we played a number of games in Red Bull Arena without fans. Um, so I they, with with Dyla, there hasn't been enough of a of a sample size to okay. see if he's really tweaking it. Um, but I think Dyla is a type of coach. Who or manager who, who really focuses on what, what he wants to how he wants to set up versus the the opposition. And that's why we've seen him change. I mean, again, he's used a 4-2-3-1 as the most common, but then he's used a 3-4-1-2 and a 4-4-2 in a in a couple of different games. So I think he likes to see what what the opposition plays as a normal, as a normal uh, formation, and then try to say, okay, what's going to give him the best, best uh, op, you know, options to uh, to control the game he's really big about controlling the game limiting chances and um and creating chances uh that that's been his you know he, he, we could lose a game 3-1 and he goes yeah but we you know we we created 10 chances and they scored on three you know the three that they you know they scored and they go well you still lost the game mm-hmm. um but so yeah now
1: with a win, and that's going to be very important in that game against Montreal, with a win, New York City FC can make a statement and really solidify its place as one of the best teams in the East while putting a four-point gap between them and Montreal. Um, do you think, I know it's early in the season, uh, but do you think it's already a clutch game for New York City FC, knowing that right now they're playing, you know, uh, of course, at away from home, let's call it that way, and... and a couple of weeks later, they're playing at home against CF Montreal. So there's also a mental side of things that that could that could uh, that could be good for the next TFC if they do win against against Montreal. So do you really think that that game is important?
6: Oh, I, I, I think Dyla would 100 percent say the game is important, and mostly because um, both the, the 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 players and and the and the coach feel that this that, that nycfc is should be one of the top teams in the east and they want to they want to stay in that top tier uh, and when you look at some of the uh, some of the pundits now that they're seeing tiago and tallis uh, play and their additions and their quality they they're really putting uh nycfc in that in that first group of teams that top tier teams that have a chance to really win a win um mls cup or at least you know win um compete for supporter shield and you can't, you can't afford to lose any points. Uh, I think it's also critical. It's the first time we're seeing uh, Montreal this year. And we have that game coming up uh, with a, in such a quick turnaround. So you want to make that statement first that, um, that you, uh, you can, you've, you've got the quality and you can, uh, you can compete. The, the, again, we've talked about the, the lineup. This is going to be an NYCFC team. That's going to be weak in, in some key positions. So it's going to be about um, does Dyla play too cautious because he's worried about the uh, you know the, the the back line and he's worried about the uh, you know the um, the, the potential for, for for his defense to not uh, to not limit the chances I, especially considering Luis Barraza. he played one game versus Tigres uh, uh, he that that was a game that uh, NYCFC lost. He did play uh, a couple of games uh, in USL. He was put on loan yeah. um, to play in uh, with Oakland. So um, let's see what happens. Uh, you know, again, I wish I could tell you more about Barraza, but I, but I, I can't. I, he's just, uh, <laughs> you know, again, him him playing with with uh, you know, with against in a USL squad is not going to tell you enough about how he's going to command the back line and how he's going to play. And he's playing with a new black back line in front of him. Yeah. So. It's a, uh, it's it's definitely a clutch game because it's just it's just a tough it's a tough opponent and I think Montreal has surprised everybody in the league and I know you know you guys are probably happy to hear that but again how many people had you you know coming in last place behind Cincinnati this year? everybody experts everyone <laughs> <laughs> I no, I think everybody. somebody
2: put us in thirteenth actually yeah, yeah, yeah a couple of someone them. was a couple generous of them.
1: yeah a couple of them now now you answered a part of that question but you know. We're used to be a bit overlooked by the MLS being the Canadian team and not only the Canadian team, but the French Canadian team of the only French Canadian team uh, in North America, of course. Uh, you know, the fans of New York City FC, uh, what do they really think about CF Montreal as a franchise and also Montreal as a
6: city? Oh, I can answer the, 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 the second part earlier. They love They love Montreal as a city. Um, okay. you know, I've been, I've been up there for, for the away games. I was up there for, um, the, uh, us women's, uh, oh, the, the women's world cup, uh, oh, to see the yeah. U.S. In
2: 2015?
6: Yeah. yeah. So you want to hear a quick sideboard story that was uh, great of about course. that? Always. Of I, so I came up with my kids, uh, to see uh, U.S. versus Germany mm-hmm. and by pure coincidence, the hotel that me and my kids were at was across the street from the Sheraton where the uh, U.S. and the German teams were playing. So we didn't find that out until my kids are watching the, the, the player's Snapchat and they go, you know, dad, the, the U S team just arrived at the hotel and it looks just like the hotel that's across the street. So sure enough, the next morning we went over, um, there was uh, U.S. players, like just standing in the lobby of the hotel, you know, having breakfast, doing different things. Uh, we saw uh, Nadine Angerer walking the streets of Montreal, uh, before nice. the game, uh, we were able to, to give the team high fives as they walked onto the bus and then we, be in the in the in the lobby when they uh, when, when they arrived after the win so it was a, a fascinating game so Montreal is is definitely won um, the hearts of a lot of uh, NYCFC fans part of it is because it's uh, again you go to old Montreal and you get that European yeah. feel mm-hmm. and you're only six hours away from New York yeah. so uh, it's, it's an easy drive now again this year you know obviously we can't get there but um, it's definitely a, a, an away trip that a lot of a lot of fans put on their uh, on their list, and we've had some really good support for for away trips uh, to Montreal. As far as a team, uh, again, I, I would agree that t- to some extent you you have been overlooked, but probably this year because uh, of the of the coaching change. And again, this is one of those years where you've you've surprised a lot of people. I think the other part of it is um, the Canadian teams. Um, in my opinion, they like to. Uh, keep some of that connection and have you, you talk, mentioned Piet, you know, being, you know, being Canadian and trying to have some of those Canadian players. And if they, if they're not known commodities in a, in the United States, how many people are going to really pay attention to them? So I think that's mm-hmm. the other part of it. Um, so that's a, but I guess the other thing is you're living, you know, very similar. You're living in the shadows of Toronto sometimes.
1: Not, so anymore. That, not anymore. Not
6: anymore. <laughs> oh so my God! Someone's
2: gonna be like forever in our shadow.
6: <laughs> but but I think that's uh, but I think that's a big that's a big that's something that's a, a, a huge benefit to you this year because you've got the opportunity to sneak up on a lot of teams. So.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, talking about our team, okay, and you talked a bit about Sam Piet, and he's he's been a favorite from all our guests for this question, uh, for most of the, our, our guests for this question. Which CF Montreal player would you take
6: in a heartbeat for New York City FC squad? You know, right now, I, after watching the last two games, I'd say Struna. Um, and I, I think. <laughs> <As he did. laughs> but you know but it, that's it he's a center back he yeah. you know he's, he's he plays the same position that Maxime Cheneau plays and I think we, we've seen that Cheneau is getting older um, he, he's a player that's done some great things with NYCFC but he's also struggled in um, in some key times and Cheneau is a player that against uh, Red Bull who is our biggest rival has had some of his worst games so that's one of those things that you do you, you you always wonder does the pressure become too big at the, at the key moments. And does he, does he crumble? So again, uh, just in looking at that, obviously when Yama is, is another key player, you know, so anyone who can control the midfield like that is a, is, is, is a key, is a key role. Uh, And Kyoto, who, who would turn down a, a, you know, uh, an opportunity to have a a national player like uh, Kyoto on their roster. But um, yeah, if I was looking at it, right, you know, seeing Struna score, you know, the last couple of games, it was, uh, it was nice to see uh, see a center back because Chano has missed a couple of those.
1: Okay. Interesting choice. Yeah, really. Very interesting. Srinay is at the end of his contract this year, so you might sign him as a free agent uh, for (laughs) next year. Uh, Now, you know, that's also a question that we always ask. And, you know, first of all, I'm going to let you, I don't know, plug uh, your podcast, talk about your podcast a bit. And afterwards, I'll ask you, if you don't mind, to give us a prediction for that game. What do you think the scoreline will be at the end of the 90-some minutes?
6: I'm going to say NYCFC wins this game three to two. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. I do think it's going to be a high scoring affair because I am very concerned about our back line. Um, But I just feel like NYCFC is coming off a lot of momentum. I think they've, they've got talent. I think that's the biggest thing that NYCFC has this year versus any other time they've had in the past. Um, They have real legitimate uh, goal scorers sitting on their bench waiting to come in so mm. if it's the 60th minute and nycfc is trailing if it's the 70th minute and they're trailing or the 80th minute and they're trailing they've got two if not three guys sitting on their bench that can come in that have the ability and the um the 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 the, the track record of coming in and scoring goals and again uh tiago is is the cr- prime example during uh, versus the game in dc he was not a starter he came in for jesus medina who uh, had an injury in the 36th minute um, and he scored, and he also was a, a substitute in the game versus um, New England, came in and scored. So uh, you know, he's a guy who I don't think he's going to start, and I, I don't, again, I, it's probably, he, may, he might start this game, but regardless of him, you know there's um, Ismail Tajiri-Shradi, there's uh, Talos Magno, there's a lot of players. Andres Jason could come in and draw draw PKs and draw fouls if, if, if NYCFC needed it in, late in the game. There, there's just so much attacking talent, Um, And again, we still haven't seen the best of Santiago Rodriguez. So Maxi Morales will most likely get the start. Um, Maxi Morales versus uh, New England uh, had 10 10 shot creating uh, opportunities, uh, you know, passes that that led to, uh, led to shots. Um, That's just, it just, it's a lot of attacking power that's coming at you. So I think that's, uh, that's the biggest thing.
1: Okay. And uh, can you talk, uh, can you tell us how we can reach you and how, uh, where we can hear you and, you know, just talk about your projects and uh, how you can be reached on social media? Yeah. But, you know,
6: I am mean, on Twitter. That's the easiest way to find us uh, at blue city radio. You can see the podcast uh, at blue uh, We just uh, recorded uh, episode 324. So we've been around since 2015 uh, the first NYCFC podcast in a, uh, in existence that we've been keeping the lights on, uh, you know, knock on wood. Um, nice. It's been a, it's been a fun, uh, a fun ride. And, uh, you know, again, it's uh, this could be the year NYCFC fans are, are feeling it given the, uh, the signings that the team has just made. I know we've had stars like via Imperial and Lampard, but this easily is the strongest team that NYCFC has ever had as far as a, a depth in, a, in a, a roster depth. And it's key because we've all seen the the, the schedule for MLS and the congestion and every team's going to be playing. Wednesday Saturday Wednesday Sunday so it's uh, it's it's very crazy it's very crazy and the need for depth is there
1: Nice. That's so nice to, to, to hear, to, to see a confident fan. I or was going to say podcaster. that's some
4: prediction there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
1: know, we wish you luck, not against us, of course, but we wish you luck for the whole MLS thing and it, you know, feel free to score seven or eight goals against <laughs> Toronto. You know, no, no problems
6: there, you know, uh, oh, but we you were, know, we were robbed. We were robbed against Toronto. I don't know if you saw that game.
1: Yeah. I watched that game. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. But you know, let's hope that we're going to be able to show some some quality on, on, on Wednesday. I, I can't wait for that game. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you very much, Mike, for being here. That was really, I think, a very interesting discussion that we had with you. Now we know a lot more of New York City FC, and I think we're really looking forward uh, for that game. And we can't wait to prove you wrong and to beat you. <laughs>
2: well i'm glad we got one optimist in the house
1: i have to i have to there's too too many pessimistic people here (laughs) no but thanks a lot mike that was really nice and uh thanks for everything no thank you it was was, was a pleasure so yeah that was uh mike ander from uh, blue city radio and uh you know he gave his prediction a two uh two three win for new york city fc and i say two three because you know technically we're playing at home uh guys I want to hear your predictions and I just want to say to our listeners sorry but last time we completely forgot to give our predictions but you know it happens you know this is the beauty of podcasts. I would have predicted a loss anyway don't worry as usual as usual so I'll start with you Eve because I know the loss is going to come from your mouth so thank you and I (laughs) so I'm gonna, I'm going to start with you so how 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 bad are we gonna play and 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 Despite... how heavy the loss will be? Do you think? <laughs>
2: so I actually um, I listened to a lot of the arguments, sort of that Mike was making, and he talked a lot about how their their defense is going to be pretty decimated. They're not going to have their starting keeper, and Sean Johnson's been pretty immense for them this season. So I actually think
1: a 2-2 draw might be on the books. That's the most optimistic uh, prediction that you'll get from you know That's Epoch. the most
2: I've had in a while. Well, one time I played with a, a and they lost, so I'm never doing that again.
3: <laughs> Sam? I was going 2-2 draw t- as well. So
2: I like when I match Sam.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we're going to score, but uh, I think we're going to concede. They often.
2: got a lot of Google sources, yeah, as yeah, Mike yeah. said.
1: And how do you, our optimist? Yeah, I'm going for a 2-1 win. Oh, good. Uh, The reason behind it is very simple. As you said, Eve, and as Mike said,
0: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void more prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
1: Uh, they're really decimated. Well, we should have most of our players, and even if. You know, our players are, are... I know Kyoto should be here as per as per Wilfred Nancy, from what I understood from his presser. Uh, but, you know, if we're going to miss, let's say, Kamal Miller or or uh, Sam, Sam Piet. For Sam Piet, we have Wanyama. He, has, he hasn't he has even played in the last game, so I don't think it's going to be a big loss, you know, for the team playing against New York City FC. Uh, Kamal Miller is going to be a big loss, but we were... We've been, we have played without him for, for, for a while, so we know how to play without him. So I think the losses that we have are not that big uh, comparing to New York City FC. And I love the way we're able to create in the last game. And that's something that was missing uh, in the last few games. So I want to feel optimistic, like objectively, and not just to be op- optimistic, to be optimistic, you know? So I'll, yeah, I'll think a 2-1 win makes sense. Um, and I feel that uh, you know we needed that 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 win and to, in order to to maybe unlock something, uh, you know in, in our season. So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, let's hope I'm right and let's hope that Mike is not right. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, but guys, something just happened recently. First of all in the Montreal presser. Uh, when, I, when we were talking with uh, Wilfrid Nancy, uh, he said something that's really, really nice. First of all, we got really good news. Uh, right after the New York CTFC game, Montreal, the Montreal team will be back in Montreal to train. So that's already done and dusted. It's done. We're gonna have our team in Montreal. That's the first thing. And the second thing that Wilfred Nancy said, is that they're working very, very, very hard to have the next home game. So Cincinnati on the 17th of July in Stad Saputo. And something else also happened. And that's Wilfried Nasi saying, and he's like, I don't understand why it wouldn't happen. It seemed, and he's like, I want to be optimistic. That's exactly what Wilfried Nasi said. Now, and that
2: was music to your ears.
1: <laughs> of course. And I think to every, to every Montreal, the sure. so, for sure. Now something else also happened and that came out of Toronto with uh, the, the one of the president, if I'm not mistaken, or the owner Manning that said that also uh, Toronto FC will be hosting their next game in BMO field. He said, He's very confident that this will happen, but it's not a definite yes yet. But having a high-level uh, high guy, a big, big guy in, in the TFC uh, organigram say something like that, uh, that seems that that looks very positive. What do you think, pessimistic Eve? I will do rain
2: dances. I will light candles. I will do whatever it takes to make that come true. Honest to goodness. I definitely agree with you. Hearing it from Wilfred Nancy, obviously he didn't just pull that information out of nowhere. I'm sure he heard it from um, CF Montreal brass, similar to Manning. It was just a matter of Nancy was the one delivering this message. Uh, but definitely having a, a club executive go on the record and say really positive things about the, the possibility of hosting games um, is, is very encouraging. And it's already, I think, a massive boost uh, to players who have their families located in Montreal, which isn't necessarily all of the team, but still a good portion. I think it'll be a massive mental boost for them to be at least able to train there on a regular basis and be able to, to live at their house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's weird, uh, Sam, to, to, to be talking about this, like asking, like being happy for players to live in their house. How, 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 how ridiculous is that?
3: Uh, Yeah. You know, I remember the interview. with say that she said that, that it would almost feel weird to play at Stad Saputo and you know eat eat uh, your own food and not not eat at the at the hotel and in restaurants all, all the time. And that just shows how crazy the the year was and well, year and a half, almost two years were. And and I think that's that it's it's just gonna be good to see them back and for, for Manning and uh, see. I'm sure they just just didn't say that out of nothing. They, they probably have inside information that they can't like throw out there, but they, they're so excited to just get, get something to the fans and, you know, get us, you know, get us a bit excited. So.
2: Throw us a bone.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I guess this week or next week, we, we're going to know a bit more and it's it's going to be really good. But I, I just can't wait to, to see our team play at Stad Saputo. It's been such a long time. It's I think for the players it's gonna be weird to come back home, but for us too, you know, to go sit at Stad Saputo and finally watch a game and see the players that we've been watching on TV for so long. And it's it's just gonna be great. So uh, I hope it. Uh, I hope it. You know, they decided quickly and we can get set. You know, quickly. Uh, on how it's gonna be because I'll probably yeah in it's not gonna be a full stadium but at least if we can we can get that information it's gonna be exciting for sure
1: yeah but you know what I wouldn't jump the gun so fast and say that I hope that uh, that we're gonna watch games first of all I think let's go one step further and just have the team playing in Saputo even yeah. without baby without steps be- yeah exactly baby steps so just then being here playing the game here even without spectators for me is a big win so they already there just having the, the players yeah, yeah, in yeah. their houses playing on their turf and just in their know.
2: natural habitat <laughs> yes
1: exactly i guess, no. I
3: guess what, where i'm coming from is because i i'm also a big montreal canadians fan and we we watch since it's been since round round one in fact game six against toronto that that there's there's fans at Bell Centre, yeah. so yeah. you have to imagine that there is going to be fans at Stade Saputo. Otherwise, how do you how do you? I'm not
1: imagining it? anything anymore, Sam. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, yes. I, I just lost hope in in the world because ah. uh, you know I, I can't believe how long it's been uh, yeah. that that we haven't seen soccer in Montreal, and, and and I'm talking about CF Montreal and not not soccer in general because we've seen soccer in Montreal, you know, but. I just don't want to, don't want to be too logical right now. I'm just too <laughs> emotional regarding that. Yeah, I'm really yeah, too yeah, emotional. I feel, yeah, so I, feel, yeah. I think it's just time for us to, to, to have our team back. And it's time for us to cheer for our team. You know, yes. First from our houses and maybe just behind the fence, the fence, that's a poodle and. We can just walk trying over from my get...
2: house. I live close. <laughs>
1: So yeah, I, I I just can't wait for them to come back, and I think it's time. And you know, if it's not going to be for me, if I want to give a prediction, if it's not going to be for the seventeenth of July game, it's going to be for the next home game. That will be the fourth of August. So, I think the end is near, my friends. The end is the end is, yeah. is near at last. At Astrapati. last, Strahadi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now. Let's move on to our next segment. And that's a big one, I think. And it's John Herdman that chose his Canadian national team roster for the Gold Cup 2021. There are a lot of things to say. So I'm not going to say much. I'm going to just give you, give you the luxury of just, you know, talk about your surprises and and your, your whole, you know, thinking behind that 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 those choices of john herdman i'll start with sam because i know that eve is too excited so i'm gonna start with I'm sam. Going, oh go ahead
3: uh, yeah there are there are there are surprises for sure you know and uh, but it's an interesting lineup i think there's a, there's a good mix between veterans and and youngsters and that's that's gonna be something that i think herdman is gonna lean on a lot is that maybe that 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 youth and that excitement on the bench you just have to imagine Tio that's that's a great 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 player to have on here
5: with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
5: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time
1: no
0: lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky
5: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website
3: for details. On the bench, you know, and bringing him on, and Kajian Buchanan as well. Probably not going to start the games, but an an immense impact when you when you can bring them on. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting, it's a very interesting lineup. And when I look at it, I, I often think of our, our two players, San Piet and. And Kamal um, Miller, it's it's a it's a question, Mark. Eh? If Piet and Miller are gonna be starters because at their position it's pretty packed, so that that's maybe the first thing that that jumped to, to mind to me when I was looking at it. So um, yeah, all in all, an interesting lineup, and well, I'd like I'd like to know your opinion. Ivo. Is there anything I missed maybe?
2: I freaking love yeah, the squad.
1: You I freaking
2: yeah, I love it. I know. Oh my dude. god. Where do I start? Okay.
1: Start. Oh from boy. How you do want.
2: I might I might get as long winded as you here. Um, so first off. <laughs>
1: That was a, that was a cheap shot, but whatever, go ahead. You always have
2: good (laughs) things to say. Don't worry. Okay. So we've got lots of MLS players who are in good form this season. Um, We've got Ayo Kanola who, despite TFC struggles is scoring on a regular basis for them. Uh, Tijon Buchanan is having the year of his life so far in soccer. Thrilled to see him. Lucas Cavallini just scored in uh, Vancouver's match, which they're playing right now. I love Theo Corbiano because he's Nuno's boy. Max Cripo, of course, MLS starting keeper. You love to see it. Alfonso Davies, Steven, Eustacchio. Uh, we've got as well Jason Lutweiler. We've got Harry Patton. We have, oh my gosh, Kyle Lairn, Scott Kennedy who was, I think, such a breath of fresh air um, mm-hmm. in central defence in 2021. We've got a great European contingent, to be honest with you. And not all, uh, all of the, the CONCACAF teams were able or perhaps agreed to bring their players over from Europe um, as European sides are preparing for preseason and uh, European cl- club competitions. So for Canada to be able to call, you know, Eustachio, Davies, uh, Kennedy, Laren, et cetera, I thought that was a big, a big grab for them. Um, And as well, we do have some, some first timers, I'd say with the senior team in uh, the goalkeeper, Lute Weiler, in Tyler Pascher, and as well in uh, Harry Patton, who are guys who, definitely might see their first caps, which is always exciting. So personally, I am thrilled by this squad from top to bottom. Um, Danielle Henry will hopefully maybe return to a more depth based role. But nonetheless, honestly, I'm pretty pleased. I, I have no complaints.
1: Wow. I do have a lot of complaints, and um, okay. it's the first time that I am the one that that's pessimistic. First of all, I look at the squad; I'm happy. Okay, yes, I am happy On looking paper, at the squad. On paper, you're happy. The the thing is, I just want to correct just one thing. Jason Littweiler would not be. Uh, it's it's not his first time. He has already three caps for Canada. He hasn't and been in a while. Actually. He hasn't been in a while, but still, he he has shown he he has won. Okay. The Canadian shirt, uh, you know, a few times. My apologies, now, Jason. No, it's okay. It's okay. No need. No need to to apologize. There are a few question marks in in that squad. First of all, I'm going to talk about the inclusions that for me are some question marks. Uh, uh, first of all, Liam Fraser. I still yeah, don't understand why was... he's in the squad. I understand he has a lot of potential. He's not really playing too much, so I I, I don't know. I still don't understand it. Maybe he sees some sort of potential for him in the future. Uh, but, you know, that's something that, you know, making me ask a lot of questions. Um, the second thing that I want to point out in the inclusions uh, is a good thing. Uh, two good things, two good players. And the first one is Tyler Pasher. Tyler Pasher has been so good with Houston, with the Dynamo. In the MLS uh, this year, Uh, it's a guy that really made his 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 uh, mark in the USL and got at last a contract with the MLS this year. And he's proving every game that he's so good. And he's 27, guys. 27. a late bloomer. It's he's not a late bloomer. He was very good in the USL, but nobody wanted to give him a chance. You know. We we have seen Mark Anthony K. He was so good with in USL, and at last someone gave him a chance with LAFC. The only difference between K and Pasha is that someone gave gave a chance to K when he was younger, and Pasha was never given. But yeah, no, he flew under the radar. Yeah, he did, he really did. He really did. And and I like that because now we see someone that you know, most of the time we would completely overlook. We see someone that's in the squad. And that was one of my questions to John Herdman. I'm like, you talked about all the young guys in the squad and, you know, the, the, the first timers that are here and, you know, the young blood and everything. And now you go and you, 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 you get someone like Tyler Pasher who, who would have his first experience. And his answer was really interesting because he said, Tyler Pasher can, first of all, that guy was rec- recommended to me by quite a few people. That's the first thing that he said. Second of all, he's like, I love the versatility that has Tyler Pasha. He can play as a right back, as a left back, as a, as a right winger, as a left winger. He can play in the middle. He can play as so many positions that it gives me some sort of flexibility that I need in a, in a tournament mode. And that's something that I really liked. And I love that answer. Now, let's talk about the exclusions. And I think that's where, for me, there's something wrong. First of all, we're going to talk about the elephant—the elephant in the room—and that was one of the first questions. Jonathan, Jonathan David is not here. It didn't surprise uh, me though. He was supposed to be called up. The only reason why he wasn't able to be here, and that was the last-minute decision, is that he called John Herdman, and he said, "Listen, he played with an injury in the last uh, uh, when when we played the last uh, World Cup qualifications." So he did play with an injury and he has a very big season ahead of him with Lille yeah. uh, playing with champions league. And he's like, I'm not hundred percent. I need time to still, you know, recover from my injury in order to have a bigger season. Plus, There's a brand new coach in his club. Yeah. But that's not the only thing it's only because he was injured and he needs okay. time to recover. So, so I just want to point that out because it's very important. It's not, he's not choosing his games and that's something very important. And that's comes, that leads me to the next topic, where the <clears throat> beep is Scott Arfield. I still don't understand why Scott Arfield is not here. We're playing a gold cup competition. This guy had a few months to rest because Rangers have won the, the, the Premier League already for like a couple of months. And we did talk about it the last time. Mm-hmm. He's, he's now on holidays. Why isn't he here? We're not playing against island teams. We're playing against the USA. That's one of the, 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 the countries that we're going to meet in our group. So for me, this is inexcusable. Inexcusable and unacceptable. And for me, I don't want to see him wear the Canadian shirt again. For me, I don't want someone's pitting on my national team jersey. And that's exactly what he did. And we we didn't ask the question to John Herdman at all. Something happened online and uh, on the social media. And it was Gareth Wheeler from One Soccer that said something, saying oh, you know what? Scott Arfield will maybe be a part of the Canadian national team squad for the World Cup qualifiers and the outro. It it looks very good and everything. It seems that he's going to be in the mix and everything. And we see Junior Hoylet putting a blue cap right underneath that tweet. The blue cap for people that don't know, the blue cap in the slang of social media means big lie. Mm. So Having your 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 squad teammates calling you a liar publicly for me says a lot, and for well, me, and I know Paul. I had a big discussion with Paul Vance on <laughs> online on Twitter, and Paul wasn't at all. He's like, no, but Canada cannot afford to 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 to, to not select a, a Scott Arfield. That, that is a quality player, but for me, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't like, matter how good you are anymore. Yes, Sam.
3: Go ahead. The only thing I might see, and it's something that, that maybe people w- won't want to say openly, is that maybe he needed a mental break, you know, after the season. And it's been like... So he's
1: had a break.
3: Yeah, but you don't know what's... Uh, I, now it's very hypothetical, you know. We, uh, it might not be it at all, but maybe there's something going on and he just needs a couple of months. Like in the personal. The and, yeah, and, yeah, and really like... And during
1: the qualifications. Also, he needed a time off?
3: Yeah, you know, that's the thing. When we don't know, it's easy to, to, to go left and right. But that's the only, and if it's not on that case, and if it's just a question of him choosing where he's when he's playing now, I guess I'd I'd go with you, Eddie. But I'd just keep maybe a percentage of the door open just to maybe, you know, after um, almost a year and a half of, of like, your life changing because of, of a pandemic and your job changing too, with how professional professional level maybe some players just need to 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 take a step back from the game and and reset maybe that's the case with Scott Arfield maybe it's not at all but I I just I just think people should should just keep that in mind that maybe it could be but if it isn't I, I love mm. that for sure you're right oh, you're nice.
1: too nice you're too nice sam you know <laughs> i understand that that hutchinson chooses and, and picks his games he's been representing canada for for a decade now uh, uh more than a decade almost two decades yeah, 86 85 caps too, yeah. 85 caps with canada and you're 38 i kind of understand why he coming from where he's coming from but scott Arfield is 32 represented canada for 19 caps and has said in the past that he doesn't want to do all the travel to play against Island teams. And that's coming from John Herdman's mouth. He said, you know what? I understand that sometimes it's hard for them to travel from Europe to, to meet, you know, teams that are not up to the level. I completely understand that, but now you're playing for, for a trophy and it's the first time I think in a long time that Canada has a chance to win the gold cup and not having their captain for me is a no-no. Eve. Well for me, again, like I don't think the squad is losing
2: that much by not having him there because of the sheer volume of the quality in midfield. So if he wants to be picky about it, fine, let him. Um, I do obviously I don't want to pass any judgment without knowledge that it is um without knowledge that it is something extenuating going on that is private and we're not aware of. But yeah, no, if he if it is this theory that he's going around picking and choosing which games are worthy of his presence, then no, I agree it's it's time for Canada to to look elsewhere for a quality midfielder and fear not there are no short supply these days in the central midfield. I just think there there's so much to be positive about with this um with this squad with the players who are who are coming up that for me, honestly, I'm okay if some of the players think they're better and choose not to come. Obviously, if that's the case, the, the organization should move on from them. But for me, when I still look at the squad that Canada is bringing to the Gold Cup, I'm so thrilled to see each and every one of those players there. That um, I can't help but be positive. I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on on one guy's uh, choices.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And uh, that's exactly what I was saying. Uh, and that was exactly my opinion. Yes, of course, Scott Darfield's ability is not in question here. No. He's an amazing player. And yes, he adds a lot of quality to that squad that becomes a, a better team with him in the squad. But if he's about to choose to pick and choose his games and, 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 you know, building some sort of bad atmosphere in the squad with Junior Hoylet calling him out completely in public. I just don't want him there. It's as simple as that. Now again we don't know what's happening like Sam said and like you said Eve but seeing Junior Hoylet saying that it's a lie for me. You have to kind of suspect yeah. You have to suspect suspect that Junior Hoylet will not have done that if he wasn't sure that it was. He alive. wanted to be a real asshole. So, exactly. So, but let's move on to another, I think the last thing that I wanted to point out is Harry Patton. Harry Patton, uh being called up. And that was one of the questions that we wanted to, uh, that we asked to to John Herdman. And his answer was really nice. He's like, it's it's a young guy that's been playing very well in the Scottish Premier League with Ross County. He's, he's young and they want him, he wanted him to have that experience with the group and to give him that chance to show himself within the group and to help him, uh, uh, you know, show his talent within that group. And I like that. He didn't say he's coming here. You'll see, he's going to be so good. He didn't put pressure on the young guy. He just said, I want him. I just want to take a look at him. I just want to tell him that we're we're seeing him and, and that we, that we encourage him and, going into such a big tournament like the gold cup, because yeah, it's not, we're not talking about the euros, but it's still the, you know, the continental, well, it's our, it's our, it's our euros. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and it's still, a, you know, being in the squad and playing and that was one of uh, of, of the sentences that used the uh, uh, John Herdman. He's like being in a squad with the Davies, with the, with the Laren and training with those people, will show you how good you are or where what you need what more you need in order to 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 reach their level so that's I think a very good experience with Harry Patton in my opinion so I don't know if you have anything to add on Harry Patton guys
2: don't worry he plays similar position to
1: Scott Arfield <laughs> there you go yeah, exactly. So maybe he's going to be the replacement of Scott he's Scottish. Out. He's playing in Scotland. So there is Exactly, some kind of, uh, <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> exactly, make it happen. So yeah, so that's it for, for, for the, the, the roster uh, for the Gold Cup. I just want to remind uh, our listeners about that Gold Cup. So the games for Canada are going to be played. The first one will be played on the 11th of July. And please do not worry, guys. It's after the Euro final. So you'll be able to watch Canada after the Euro final on the 11th of July. So next Sunday at 6.30, Canada against Martinique. Um, The second game is... Uh, yet we don't know who it's going to be uh, for the, uh, the, that's going to qualify. We're still waiting for the results on the 6th of July to see who will win and go through and be in the group again, uh, with Canada and the U.S. So on the 15th of July, we're playing that qualifier. And uh, on the 18th of July, it's the big game, the very, very big game between the States and Canada. Uh, it's played in Kansas City, uh, so it's going to be a very interesting thing. The first two uh, uh, teams go through. So even if Canada loses its game against yeah, the United States, as long as they win their other two games, they should be through and should be able to go through to the next round. You move directly to the quarterfinals afterwards. Uh, it's going to be important. I think that first place is going to be very, very important because the runner up of, of the group will play against the winner of the group between Costa Rica, Jamaica, Suriname, and another qualifier. So do you want to go in the quarterfinals and play against Costa Rica or Jamaica? Not really sure. So we'll see, we'll see what's going to happen. So uh, for people that are asking the gold cup will be, if I'm not mistaken on one soccer, if I'm not mistaken. So, so yeah, it's going to be on one soccer and uh, we're all behind our, that Canadian national team, our own national team. The
2: only time I'll put on something red to support a soccer team.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so Sam, it's up to you for so the, the gems of social media.
3: Yes. 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 And again, again, it was good. And we will start with a, um, with a question that Patrick at uh, Dubs 13 sent us and he, well, we were going to talk about it anyways, but because Patrick hit us up with that question, we decided to, to talk about it on social media. So he says, um, writes he says, at TBR, if Mathieu Chouinard keeps playing this way, do you think Zachary Brouguillard's starting job could be in trouble, especially if we keep playing three five two.
1: 3 5 No. I don't think so. I think that for now, Mathieu Chouaner is a backup. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. Uh, yes, he's had and you know Eve said it very well in the first uh, in a, in the begin- at the beginning of the pod, and she said it's a small sample. And I agree with her. It is a small sample. I just don't want to put too much pressure on the guy. He's learning a new position. Um, he, he needs to have at least 10, 15 games this year. And that will be a very big step up uh, for Mathieu Schwaniere if he plays about 15 games this year. Um, and he needs to 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 repeat those good performances in order to maybe take the place of Zachary Borgia. But Zachary Borgia, yes, he didn't have a nice game uh, uh, you know the last time around, but he hasn't been bad either. So no. and he's he's been good at the beginning of the season. So would I push him around and push him on the bench? No, no, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet.
2: But with this calendar in MLS, yeah. I think there's definitely ample opportunity and competition within a team is healthy.
1: Yeah, and there's Kemal Bayal also that didn't say his last mm-hmm. words, and he hasn't been. I think he, he hasn't been bad either at no. that uh, at that wing back right wing back position. He popped up so. on the left
2: side there versus Nashville. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But you never know appeared. where he might be. But Mathieu shoignier also played on the left
2: yeah for, for a little bit before for, he subbed off for a half
1: yeah, yeah for for i think 35 minutes Most, because he was yeah. subbed off uh, at the 80th so when Lapalainen you know was replaced uh, you know by by uh, uh, Zachary bourgiard went on the left and mm-hmm. he was pretty good also i didn't see good. any difference between the left and the right so no. so no pat uh, no patrick are we not yet
3: not yet. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it, but it's something that we have to keep an eye on, and it's it's good to have internal competition. But it's it, it's I think we, we get caught it, caught into the hype a bit of a good performance, and it, it's more of a long term decision that that would be to to keep out of the lineup, which is not going to happen right now for sure. So uh, there's your answer, Patrick. So we move on to the best tweets we found. Um, this weekend, which starts with uh, Gaetano Tuto Calcio on Twitter, and he was reacting to Sadich's performance against Miami. He says Sadich was amazing, incredible night, both in, position, in possession and without the ball. For me, the Trot de Putin was Kyoto without a doubt. And uh, just to put a context so for people who don't know, uh, Trot de Putin is the um, is let's say the, the the opposite that the hashtag of the
2: MVP yeah the,
3: <laughs> that the CanFC on Twitter uses for the let's say the the worst performance of the night so um so he didn't think uh, Sadic was bad as much as a lot of people thought on Twitter he didn't have a very good reviews yesterday but Gaetano thinks uh, Sadic had a good performance you guys what did you think
2: I think he's a depth player. I mean, I, so therefore my expectations of what Sadich brings to the team are not the same as, as for certain other players. And I mean, he, he, it is what it is. I thought he was certainly better than versus Nashville. I thought versus Nashville, he was um, really a spectator and most of the game passed by him, but he certainly was more involved. I thought he picked up a lot more balls and, um, loose in the field midfield area than previously versus Nashville so I did think he was more effective like I wouldn't go so far as to say amazing or incredible but I would certainly say better than his most recent match yeah. uh, which I thought was pretty dismal <laughs>
1: listen um and it's funny because Gaetano was answering to my my uh, my quotations uh, and the kind of, see. I always do that after the game I give the trop and 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 the uh, and the Saputo uh, d'or, and you know for the best player and you know the moment a bit WTF and moment for the, with the Foin so the WTF moment if you want to and and I chose and it was written in my tweet I chose Sadich because I don't think anybody played a bad game I think that everybody was pretty good in that game and he said that Q- he wants to put Kyoto there I don't agree because I think that Kyoto we made a you lot know, of arguments for Kyoto earlier. Really, exactly. right? Yeah. We made we made a lot of arguments. So I'm not gonna go there again. So that's Eve telling me to shut up. But yeah, no, it's okay.
2: Uh-uh. <laughs> but it's me telling Gaetano, listen
1: up. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, we we've made a lot of arguments for Kyoto, but I I, I didn't want to put anybody and and the reason why I put Sadich is very simple. I want to put the I breath. expect so much from the guy. I expect so much because he's an amazing football player. He's very, very good. And I expect more from him offensively. He he hasn't been ma- bad yesterday, but I wanted to see him a bit more in the final, on the final end of, of the pitch, you know, in in the final, um, how do we say it? I, I, I'm a well, lot- The I'm final third? The, third is- the final third, sorry, I was looking for the word. Uh, so the final third of the pitch, that's what I that's where I want to see Sadic. It wasn't his role, but I'm pretty sure if we've seen Wanyama that close and you know creating and creating chances and having three shots on goal, I think Sadich could also show that because he has a good shot and he should be able to have those chances too. So that's the reason why I put him there, but he didn't have a bad game. I I I I think that was harsh, and that's not what I said in my tweet. Now, saying he was amazing and it's, it was his best game ever, I think that's a bit over the yeah. top. Uh, he, he could have been better because he has so much quality.
3: You have to feel almost a bit of sympathy for for Sedic in the yeah. sense that probably he's the biggest loser of the arrival of Mijailovic on the team because he'd probably be playing a bit higher and more free mm. in that type of role that Mijailovic is playing. And so, uh, I, I I guess I see where Gaetano is coming because he, he we we kind of feel that that Sadich is is doing the best out of the, the little opportunities that are giving to him this year. But I wouldn't agree at hundred percent with Gaetano. He wasn't incredible. No, he was he was good. He was okay. And that that, that was a, that was it for me. It was a an okay performance by Sadich. So we'll move on. Uh, next tweet is uh, Vincent at Atayoko on Twitter and he was reacting to Wanyama's performance and he says uh, yes uh, Wanyama was doing a lot of passes uh, forward tonight usually he does a lot of back passes and passes to the side he also jumped into the attack more which is nice we, we, we talked a lot about Wanyama and, and that's something that, that that stood out for us is that he's much more implicated in the play.
2: and he wants to be even more involved. <laughs>
3: so you have to be you have to be happy with that, I guess. You know, it's it's he he was very very good yesterday. One yeah, might has to be said too, Yeah, so. he was.
1: Yeah, he was
3: absolutely. So Vincent spot on. Uh, moving on, uh, Rasputin at D E D P Y X T O. I guess it's dead dead pigsto. On Twitter, he says, uh, can somebody exorcise Kyoto?
1: Exorcise. Uh, Not exorcise, in- but exorcise. Ex- Ex- exorcise, yeah. exactly. So, you know, remove the demons from yeah. him. <laughs> That's funny. Oh. That's funny. And Yeah. Yeah, it seems that he's just completely unlucky or just, I don't know, a lack of, a lack of confidence, I think.
3: But he, he, it's going to come.
2: It'll
3: come. Yeah, like a ball bouncing
2: in a weird way, and then lo and
3: behold, yeah, and, yeah. And maybe, maybe his trip with Honduras too will will kind of help him. You know, just mm. get out of the of the
2: change of scenery, of scenery change of scenery with Montreal
3: yeah. and maybe different system, touching the ball in different areas on the field, and you know, you wind up scoring two goals at the mm-hmm. Gold Cup and come back full of confidence. So let's let's hope he has a really good Gold Cup with Honduras.
2: Good point
3: sean richardson on twitter he says uh, that would that would have been an easier win if we were playing a good team there's no way we win we need to solve the scoring problems
2: so definitely should have been easier than it was i agree
3: uh, did I say and i have, just yeah, jumped right in i'm really sorry been. yeah, yeah sorry.
2: should have been easier than it was i definitely agree with that part um what i will say is yes they should have scored more goals In that particular game, what I liked a lot was they took 17 shots in that game at long last, because I mean, they were, I didn't keep the stats. I know we brought it up in the last pod, but but we didn't keep them. Uh, I mean, Montreal was outshot like 54 to 12 or something horrible like that across
1: 68 uh, to 12 in in the past three games.
2: Really bad, like Yes. Thank you.
1: Something like that
2: exactly so finally montreal was actually taking shots so three quarters of the problem was they weren't taking any shots to score off <laughs> and they were hoping on know maybe own goal would slide in they'd be watching too much euros or something like that <laughs> um so if they keep up with a more offensive mindset and more desire to to shoot at the net at least in the general vicinity then i think the goals will
1: come yeah yeah, it. Yeah, I just want to add something for me. It uh, it was already an easy win. Yes, we won only 1-0, but it was easy. I Generally I wasn't speaking, yeah. Yeah, I know that if you're always afraid that, you know, uh, the team, the opponent is going to score a goal, I But, am. you know, they weren't dangerous. No. I, I didn't find Inter Miami dangerous they at any time. one shot that was like worth but even if you have Pentemis, uh, that, that was solid and he was yeah. uh, in that game and not that they created much, but but still, you know the back line was solid. Everybody, like you know Camacho did, did the big mistake at one point and they didn't even they didn't even you know capitalize on this. So for me, that was an easy win. We were clearly the better team. Now, yeah. I agree with the second part of his tweet. We, we need to solve the scoring problems. I agree, but if you have that many chances, you already did 80% of the work, the, the 20% is just scoring them and yeah, it's sure, going to yeah. come, it's going to come and I'm completely, I'm sure, you know, when Yama said I'm going to score, uh, you know, uh, Kyoto is going to score at one point, uh, um, Hamdi is going to score at one point, Mihailovic, unfortunately was, you know, unlucky on, 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 one, on one situation and clumsy on the other one, Uh, but, but you know, it's going to come creating the chances is is the, the hardest thing to do in soccer. And we've seen it in the last three games where we got points, we weren't able to score and we weren't creating, creating chances here. We're creating chances. So having that is already for me, a big, big, big plus. Now we need to make sure that yes, we score more. I completely agree, but I don't think it's a big problem yet.
3: That's good, Eddie. And our last but not least, Miroy at miroy 22 on Twitter. And he was reacting to Chris Armas's sacking for Toronto FC. He says, in a way, I think this shows how important a solid coach is. LA is doing a fantastic job since Vanny got there and somehow TFC is a disaster. Not going to complain about that last part.
1: Yeah, Greg, Vanny is an amazing coach. Uh, that we've we've established that oh, I yeah, think yeah, three yeah, years yeah. ago so mm. so and I, I agree with with Meroi just yeah. saying that that you know a coach is important and we I think yes we we've been arguing we've been discussing and arguing argumenting uh you know the the, the um the decisions of Wilfried Nancy really rotating the squad a bit too much and you know stuff and stuff but we have to give it to him wilfred nasi is has the best ca- record for a canadian team in mls we've been playing away from home at, since the beginning of the season and we have four wins three lo- three losses and four draws so for I me, think we
2: would have taken that even at Stad Oh yeah,
1: I would. Th- I would have taken less than that. <laughs> less than that for me, you know. And and you talked about it, Eve, at the beginning, mm-hmm. at the preseason when we did our, our pod at the preseason, and you're like, yeah. there's too many new pieces, and yeah. it's going to be very hard for 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 the team to find some sort of cohesion. And you know what? The results are here. The results are here. Yes, it hasn't been always pretty. Yes, of course there are things that we need to improve on. But look, look at, our, 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 at the results. At the end of the day, that's what, what what we need. What that's what that's where it counts. Four wins, three losses, four draws. You look at Toronto: one win, eight losses, two draws. I love saying that. And you look at Vancouver: two wins, six losses, and two draws. So we're we're so much better. So let's go with point per game because I think that's where we're going to see the nice difference. For For Vancouver, it's 0.8 point per game. For Toronto, it's 0.45 point per game. And for Montreal, 1.45 points per game. And it's on game. like a
2: four-way tie with
1: and, it's a, of clubs and And something the else also. Yes, we are in eighth position in the East. But if you look at the standings... We're 12th overall. And if we were in a Western conference, we would have been fourth.
2: And we're only, we're not separated by points um, from many of the clubs in the Eastern Conference around us. It's only goal difference.
1: Exactly. And we're, 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 guys, if I tell you that after 11, if I told you at the beginning of the season, after 11 games, we would be, three points away from the third place in East, would
3: you have believed me no no but you know I
2: wouldn't
3: have oh yeah you know for Meroy's tweet maybe the the only thing I I would say and not to say that that Vanny is not a good coach because he is a very very good coach is a different context maybe and Toronto did a did a, a very poor job off season to try to Bring some youth and an aging team, and that that's that's not helped Chris Armas in every in anything. But you know, I think I think the, the writing was on the wall, anyways when they when they did hire Chris Armas. So it's gonna be interesting to see where Toronto goes from here and who they hire. It's that, that's gonna be a, a game breaker. Are they gonna go to Europe or are they gonna go within MLS or are they gonna
2: surprises? promote from within? All CF Montreal. Yeah.
3: Surprise us, maybe. So that was our best of social media. We had uh, Patrick with a question that I hope he liked our answer. We got Gaetano Calcio, Vincent Rasputin, Sean Richardson, and Meroy, who are our stars of social media. So uh, don't be shy, guys. If you have a question, just hit us up at TBR Montreal on Twitter. And if you're too shy, well, we're gonna check your tweets out because we're the Twitter police and we'll hit you up with the best tweets of the week on our next show. So off to Eve for Time Machine.
2: Thank you, Sam. Okay, guys, so we're gonna hop on in the Time Machine and uh, afterwards I'll tell you what we're gonna go take a look at. So obviously I think it goes without saying we've all been consuming a lot of matches lately, correct? We've got CPL back, we've got the Euros, we've got Copa America, we've got Gold Cup right on the horizon, um, and of course we've got MLS. So we've all, I think, been pretty riveted to our screens watching uh, watching soccer games. But I actually wanted to take a look at other soccer content that you've consumed. Um, sort of, I would qualified as soccer media in general so what would be the best uh book the best series the best documentary the best film the best show whatever the best soccer related media that you've consumed other than a game and sam i'd like to to turn it over to you to start
3: sure um Mine is a book. It's a book called uh, All Too Soon, Smart Too Late, and it's written by Kieran Dyer. And, um, you know, I stumbled upon this book a bit out of nowhere, as I've never really been a fan of Kieran Dyer, nor any of his clubs, though I had a pretty good knowledge of his struggles in life and in football. And honestly, I thought this book was, was brilliant. You know, he goes deep into details of how sexual abuse at a very young age heavy drinking at the start of his career like intense womanizing gambling fighting Lee Bowyer during a Premier League game drunk car crashes countless injuries you know transformed him into the man he is now and it's an interesting it's an interesting read as you know how he was a mess at the start of his career and now he he kind of put his life back together and he he can talk about it really openly you know and um, his open and candid way of looking back at his career make him even much more of a likable figure than I I think he was perceived as a player and as a person and he also uh, shares some very interesting insight on why in his opinion the golden generation of the 2000 slash 2010s ish of England never really made it at international level so um, it, it was like, it, it raised itself on its own. You know, it was very, very good. And I, I'm pretty nosy when it comes to footballer's lives, So he, he, he dives really deep into it. So for anyone who, who knew him as a player, not because I, I don't think he's the type of player that you, you really follow his career. He was much, a bit of a journeyman in the Premier League, though he was very talented. If you know the guy, I think it's it's a very very interesting read, and I think it's it's a must read for anyone who who followed a bit of the Premier League and the England in the two thousands, like late two thousands, two thousand and ten.
2: Right on. Well, no, that sounds like a very riveting read, and it sounds like quite a journey for him. Oh yeah, um, yeah. No, I definitely wasn't aware, but uh, no, thanks for sharing that. Okay. And Hattie, do, do tell.
1: Listen, uh, I thought about it. I can't it.
2: imagine you trying to pick, honestly. I, I, I'm just, I, I feel like I gave you an agonizing choice.
1: It was. It was an agonizing choice. And you know what? I could have talked about books because I have so many football books that I read. Uh, I could have talked about websites. There's so many websites, good websites on soccer out there. I'm not going to name even one. Uh, just culture soccer of course but uh, but yeah uh, i wanted to talk about movies and and the reason why is is i'm someone that really loved movies for you know from you know from when i was born and it's really something that i really like to 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 do just you know sit watch a movie or a series or whatever and i'm not going to talk about series because i'm sure you know series are kind of quote-unquote, new. <laughs> I get, I'm going to talk about, you know, old movies. First of all, I'm going to talk about the obvious one. I'm going to talk about two movies. But the obvious one for me and a must-watch must sh- a must, a must watch movie is Victory. Uh, Victory was a, a movie made in 1981. I think one of the best soccer movies you'll ever see because it's it is a very hard... And tough story around you know a a Nazi camp, a Nazi occupied Paris, the French Resistance, British officers, and everything. You have a very good and and amazing cast in that movie, with of course Sylvester Stallone being there, uh, but also a lot of nice and good football players and like Pelé, like Bobby Moore. That I'm sure my friend Paul Vance will be happy to to hear about, and I'm sure he he's, he watched that game so many times. I'm not gonna name them them all, <laughs> but the, there was there was a lot of good players in that movie. Also, um, that movie was, I think, legit a very nice story and and a good a good show for for soccer altogether, and how how soccer can can be uniting in some way so i love that movie yes it's 1981 but it's still i think it has aged very well so you're able to watch it right now and, and still be still appreciate uh, you know the work behind the movie so that's a movie that i would recommend but the one that speaks to me the most is not the most amazing movie of course uh, it is a movie that uh, a movie slash documentary that i watched uh, being young. And of course, as usual, uh, my background is more Ligue 1, is more French. Uh, so it is a French movie. And it's funny because I'm sure not a lot of people that follow me on Twitter know this because maybe because they didn't follow me for, for a while. Uh, or It's been, you know, not, not a long time for them following me, but it, it inspired my, uh, my name. So soccer en folie uh, the reason behind it is because of that movie and it's foot en folie it's called foot en folie it's a, right now it's it's a movie slash documentary that you can get for free on uh, on uh, on YouTube so you can go watch it if you want to uh, it, it's more of a, of a fun way of, of, of watching soccer with the, you know the best plays the funniest plays and, and you know stuff like that and I loved it because it was so refreshing it's a movie that I watched Movie slash documentary that I watched, uh, you know, for I think about twenty or thirty times in my life because I was young and it was Ligan and I was there was there's Eric Cantona when he was in Liga that's that's in it. There's there's a lot of nice things that you can see, you know, beautiful goals, uh, some funny moments, gags and stuff like that. And it's a movie that it's 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 something that really reminds me of my childhood and how I really fell in love with the game and, and the whole, uh, you know, the, 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 the young Hattie that I see in that movie. So it's a very nostalgic, uh, you know, nostalgic choice, but it's a movie that I thought, movie, I, I still call it movie, but it's more documentary or more highlights, if you want to, <laughs> of soccer moments that I, that I watch. I still watch from time to time. And the quality <laughs> on YouTube is very bad. Because it it is a movie, it is a movie um, uh, that was done in 97 uh, and it was on VHS. So (laughs) it wasn't even on DVD. So, so yeah, so quality is, is very bad. Like, you know, the, the picture quality, but But it's worth uh, suffering. Nostalgic for me. Nostalgic.
2: I understand. I understand. It's part of that inevitable emotional pull. Exactly. Yeah. I gotcha. And, um, if you're curious, I'll tell you what I picked. Or if you're not, I won't.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to listen to your
1: choice. Can we move on? No. <laughs> Go ahead, Eve.
2: All righty. So I chose a book. I actually gave this book to my father for Christmas a couple of years ago. And it's called The Club How the English Premier League Became the Wildest, Richest. And most disruptive force in sports by Joshua Robinson and Jonathan Clegg. So obviously, um, I'm a massive EPL fan. Um, I watch pretty much any game I can get my hands on, and I uh, and I consume basically any content related to those games, whether it's a series or a documentary or what have you. But this game, uh, this book in particular, it goes into the detail of sort of what made the premier league become the crazy money machine that it is today because english football prior to 1992 had a very different face um, from what it has today and it was a lot less shiny and it was a lot less profitable and it was a lot less um popular even for as far as attendance goes And owners of clubs sat down in a boardroom and said, well, we want to make some money off of this. Um, To be honest, it does take a lot of enchantment out of away from the game, because I think we all follow clubs that play in a, in a big quote unquote league. And you do get to see a lot of how the almighty dollar or in this case pound, I guess um, is really at the center of everything that, sports businesses do. So it does take away a lot of that emotional attachment that that poor Hattie just talked about. Um, But it is a really fascinating insight into how ownership has developed from, you know, um, just English rich aristocratic types to the oil tycoons and oligarchs that we see today, um, to player signings, comings and goings, the the wild transfer market. So it's really interesting to see the evolution of how the league has adapted, how fans have adapted, and as well, just the crazy ways they they find to make money off of this thing. (laughs) It's wild. Um, So if you want to have your eyes opened into the less warm and fuzzy side of sports I strongly recommend that read to anyone you,
1: you really your pessimistic side even came out on time machine man
2: <laughs> no it's honestly it's really fascinating I suspect yeah, if I perhaps you're a person with a business mind you might yeah, also quite yeah. enjoy it um yeah, for, sure. for me because I I have lots of feelings yes most of which are bad um for me <laughs> it was it was almost like a little bit hurtful to read but of I knew it was there Anyway, though, on that note, given that I talked about a very painful book to read, I'd like to turn it over to the man who gives us lots of pain every week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Who is that? Sam, do you have a segment? (laughs) You know who it is. It's (laughs) Patty's time for choices. Yeah, let's move on to choices. So let's wait for the bell ring as usual. The choices are pretty easy, I think, today. So let's yes. let's wait for the for the bell ring. Cool, so let's start with choices. I have three choices for you. You're John Herdman and you have a decision to make before the USA Canada game in the Gold Cup. Knowing, knowing that you have won, the first two games. So it's the third game. Oh, you no. have won the first two. So you're qualified already. Alfonso Davis tells you he wants to play. He really wants to be in starting 11. And of course, you don't want to sadden your best player, right? So will you play against the USA? I love rhyming. Will you play Alfonso Davis as a left back in a 4 2 3 1? And I'm just going to talk about the offensive uh, animation with Hoylet, Osorio, and Corbeanu as the offensive midfielders and Laren up front. Or Mm -hmm. would you put Richie Larea as a left back with Davies, Osorio, and Hoylet up front and and Laren as a striker? So two choices, Davies as a left back with the four up top, you have Hoylet, Osorio, Corbeyanu, and Laren. Or uh, you would go with Larea as a left back, with Davies, Osorio, Hoilet, and Laren. The reason why I chose Osorio, Hoilet, and Laren, because they seem like starters, in, in Herdman's opinion, with Jonathan David not being here. So it, it might be different, but we're just going to play with choices and- And move- you wanted
2: to throw me a bone with Corviano.
1: <laughs> exactly. You do understand how my my, my mind works. So go ahead, Eve.
2: Oh, gosh. Neither choice is bad for me, honestly. Um, neither choice. If I had to pick, though, I would probably go with uh, lorea at the back and Davies at the wing position. Um Larea can can provide the defensive cover on the left hand side. It allows Alfonso Davies the room to express himself a lot more. He doesn't have as much say opposition to get through to bring the quality into the final third. So I really like that uh, being able to place him up higher with somebody covering back. So yeah. I think that is the, the route I'd go with. Sorry about that. So
3: I okay. just just to be sure, if Davies plays at left back, Corbiano plays on the wing. Otherwise, Davies plays on the. Hoylet wing and... plays on the left wing. Oh yeah, okay. Um.
1: Oh Hoylet or Corbiano, he can play on the left.
3: Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'd go, I'd go at left back. Uh, I'd go to see him at left back because I'd love to see Corbiano play uh, at the left wing in front of um, in front of Davies. And see them combine both of them. It's probably try, it's gonna be hell for the defender on, on on that, like the right right back uh, of of the US. So I'd go I'd go Davies at left back or Brienne at uh, left wing.
1: And and aren't you afraid of the defensive backlash or the the the, the offensive uh, uh, threats of the US?
3: No, because we're qualified anyway. So I'd just have fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but <laughs> mentally, that could be, you know, if you lose heavily, that could be, that could be bad for the mental for, for the rest of the tournament, mm-hmm. no? It
3: D- depends on the mindset you put your team in. If you just say, you know what, guys were qualified, enjoy. AV
2: is not a bad defender.
3: Yeah, yeah, And he's, yeah. Yeah, so, true. But with
1: Corbeiani you know, up front, nobody's really covering him, right?
3: Yeah, I guess it's a question of mindset. And I'd, I'd really go with, like, guys who are qualified, who are playing the U.S., enjoy and just have fun who cares about the result but just try to try to put them goals in. i think
2: we care about the
3: result <laughs> well if you win the if you win the gold cup in the end you won't care much about the result right so
1: perfect so let's move on with the next one and you listen. don't want to put your feet in the fire i <laughs> i always try to get away with it. i know um no, I want to see Davies as a left back, and I agree with Sam. I, I really want to see him because that's where he's growing, and that's where he he made his mark on the international level. Uh, and when I say international, sorry, not the international level, but like on on the the, the 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 soccer planet, if you want to, with the, with Bayern Munich. So that's why I want to want him to see. I wasn't a big advocate of him as a left back, and I I always say that I'll never shy away from that because. You know, it's something that I said, but you know, I was wrong. Uh, but I want to see him establish himself there. And of course, if at one point we're losing the game, we need the goal. Yeah, for sure, just put it up front. And change, change the formation so that he gets more offensive responsibilities. But yeah, at the beginning of the, of the of the game, yeah, I want him to to be uh, in his na- is his now proven and established position, which is a left back. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on with the next one, okay. We have Samuel Piet and Kamal Miller gone for the Gold, for the gold Cup. Okay. Big, big, big losses. Uh, one is a big loss. The other one is not a big loss. So, Kamal Miller, uh, I think, is going to be a big loss. Yeah. Samuel Piet is not. Uh, it's not because we have so many midfielders. But let's go. With, let's start with Samuel Piet. Who would you replace Samuel Piet with in a starting 11? I would say when we, when I say replace is, of course, Samuel Pet hasn't been a starter for all the games, but still are you, do you keep Sadich as the one next to Wanyama? Do you go with a more offensive profile with Ahmed Hamdi or do you go with Emmanuel Maciel? That could be next to Wanyama. What would be your choice if you want to play defensively like you used to do when you had Piet and Wanyama with you know together in the midfield so let's start with Eve because she's looking at me like what are you talking about
2: well well it depends so much on the match I mean we're playing very different opponents but you're saying if this is coming at it from a just dis- okay that that was me being like why is he asking about what okay that that was my big thing I was like but they're all different. <laughs> okay. I got you though. Defensively, I'd probably go with, um, either Sadich or Emmanuel Maciel. I think Emmanuel Maciel has the most defensive profile out of those players, although he's seen very little playing time this season. So I don't think he's necessarily an out-and-out starter. I don't know what kind of game fitness he has in him. Um, so I would say for defensive quality, Maciel, for match fitness, Sadich.
1: You have to
3: choose one, right?
2: <laughs> well, for that straight up defensive profile, I'm going to say Maciel.
1: Cool, Sam?
3: Uh Maciel, uh, he didn't play much, but every time he played, he he seemed to really make the best out of it, and he showed some very good flashes in the very few minutes he played. And last last season, he was a fixture in the, in the yeah. squad, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see him next to, to Wanyama. And I think that's you know, that's the opportunity. If Pierre isn't there, you have at some point you have to give him a start and just give him some minutes because he he's quality, he's MLS quality, Maciel, definitely. And you, you don't wanna piss off a, a young a youngster who who's seen a lot of minutes and now isn't. So that's that's the thing. Well, one would argue that it's the same thing for Sadich, but if you're trying to play more defensive, you have to explain to him that Maciel is a better option, in my opinion.
1: Okay, I, I would go with Sadic because I think that Sadich can play defensively, but also can give a push offensively, and I think that Maciel, I don't know, I think is that... Is more
2: one-dimensional?
1: Yeah, in his defensive profile, I think he's more in, in, unidimensional. He doesn't go you know, forward too much. And I, I don't like that. So, uh, you know, in that, of course, in that tactical formation, the three, five, two, I like someone that is able to go forward in case we need them mm-hmm. to go forward, which is not the, the type of play that, that Martial uses. Uh, but the, the second part of that choice, and I think that's going to be the, 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 difficult one.
2: Oh no. You're Kamal Miller Miller. Going.
1: <laughs> yeah. Kamal Miller going. Okay. You have three choices. Okay. You have Joel Waterman. You have the new guy, Robert Torkelson, and you have Zoran Basong that can play as a central defender. It's Whoa. tough. Yeah. Given, given we
3: we haven't seen much of Torkelson, maybe
1: so he, just, he just got here. Yeah. I liked I like the answer of, of Nancy because that, that was my mm-hmm. question to him. And he's like. Dark he's new. He needs to learn the system. Uh, I'm maybe going to give him a few minutes, but I don't expect him to be in the lineup before the 17th. So he's not going to be in the lineup on Wednesday. That's right. So sure. I guess
3: you have to go with Waterman, right?
2: Yeah, that would be my thought. Like, you know, he did a serviceable job filling in while Miller was injured. So. Oh, yeah, I'd go with Waterman. You, you know you pick the you pick what you know and exactly. didn't go too too bad.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I would go with Waterman. Either way, uh, I think it's too early to give the young guy. You
2: oh, know, very much, house very house much. It's yeah. Too
1: early. Even oh, if, I didn't
2: if, even consider him. If, I feel yeah,
1: even if even if Nancy, uh you know, uh, said, didn't say that, for me it was obvious that Waterman yeah. should get that 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 position. Uh, last uh, choice for you guys. Next game, it's against New York City FC. Okay. Do you go again with that 3-5-2? Or do you choose that formation that we don't see used one game uh, with the 3-6-1? I call it 3-6-1, but a lot of people call it 3-4-2-1. So with two offensive midfielders, central offensive midf- midfielders that can occupy the wings, he tried it with Mihailovic and Hamdi up front and just one striker. Uh, knowing that, you know, from what I understood, Kyoto should be here, but let's say he's not. Uh, so you only have Johnson and uh, Toy that are here as strikers.
3: I'd, I'd go for the 3 three, four, two, one, and um. It didn't I, work the first time. Sorry,
1: it didn't work at all the first time around. We're playing no, New the, York City.
3: No, uh, but the reason why I choose it is because of the interview with Michael. He said something very interesting. As their central defense is a bit decimated, and they're playing their second string goalkeeper. So I say let's let's just throw it at them and 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 put some offensive players out there. So if you can have if you can have um, Hamdi and Mijailovic up there, or even Torres, who are playing a bit central, it could be very interesting and just bring a bit of, of, of wildness. I don't know how to say but just show them something different and just attack them straight up from the center, it could be could be interesting. So yeah, three, four, two, one. and
1: Yeah, three, four, two, one, three, four, three. I don't like to call it three, four, three, though, because for me, three, four, three, it's two it's flat, wingers yeah. playing yeah. Completely on the yeah. wing. So for me, I call it three, four, two, one, because the two are a bit more central. Eve? Yeah. Uh, if... I
2: completely agree with Sam. Like, I would have copied and pasted his statement 100%. I three, four, think- two, one. Yeah, very much.
1: And who, who would be your two offensive midfielders?
2: Mihalovich, obviously. Yeah. And I'd like to see Torres. I'm curious.
1: And up front? Up as front? A
2: striker,
1: if you don't so, have Kyoto. Uh, uh, uh,
2: I'd say Mason Toy. He didn't have his best game last night. Um, I thought he turned over a few more balls than necessarily he could have, but um, he was still getting in the right positions. He had a golden opportunity that was missed. And so for me, I think toy.
1: Cool. I agree with you guys. Also, I would go with the three, four, two, one. I think that I want to give another chance to that, to that formation, that tactical formation. I think we have just having adding that extra midfielder could help the offensive animation. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what uh, what Nasi will choose, but uh, yeah, that would be my choice. So, so the three, four, two, one. Hoping that uh, you know we'll see a better Hamdi because he's been he's not been good since the beginning. Uh, you know, since his few flashes at the beginning, uh, uh, he's been he's been average. It's been a so downward I'm, trajectory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah but downward. Yeah, downward. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, I'm, pretty I mean, sure yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's a good player. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure he's a good player. I'm fairly certain. So that's it for me for choices. As I said, pretty easy choices today, but uh, next time it will be harder, I promise.
3: I'll give <laughs> us a break for one week, thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, so that's it today for the ball is round. Uh, let's hope we're going to see another win and that will be amazing to have two wins in a row for CF Montreal. And I think that will make us uh, a various, very, very serious contender for the playoffs this year. If we oh, are going to insult if, me. We do, <laughs> in, if in case we do win a second game in a row uh, with the New York City FC. Uh, so first of all, I want to thank my colleagues, uh, Sam Savvy, and of course, uh, Eve Powell for being here again. I want to say hi to Paul. That's I'm sure he's going to listen to us at one point. And I'm going to, to say thank you to all of you for listening to us week after week, giving us your feedback and and being here with us. And thanks for CanFC for the platform, rough gentlemen for the jingle and see you again next week for another episode of the ball is round. <laughs>